Murphy, uh -huh. Fred Hubert, hey, Fred. Murph and Fred, back together again on ESPN 1000. Yeah, beautiful day. Glad you're with us. Busy show. We'll get rolling right now. Me, I'm Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner alongside, and you... Welcome to give us a call. Three, you, three, you two, is with us? three, seven. Oh, we'll get to you in a minute. <laughs> oh, no, not you. No, you. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting a little tired of those, but they're still funny. Well, they are. they can be <laughs> at times. Yeah. We can only use them once a show, though. Uh, oh, is that it? Yeah, we won't use it anymore. The audience turns over every twenty yeah. minutes. So if you tuned in for the you Darvish <laughs> joke, here's what we have today: Jesse Rogers. The little guy in St. Louis covering the Cubs. Uh, that'll be 10 o'clock, Jesse's uh, regular normal time. And one hour after that, 11 o'clock, Mark Gonzalez, Gonzo Tribune Cubs beat reporter. We'll stick heavy on the Cubs today, as that is the story. We'll sprinkle in some of Fred's White Sox talk. Oh, Ronaldo Lopez just gave up another home run. Did he throw five boom-boom uh, boom balls yeah. in one game? Yeah, he did. Yeah, it was two. It went, when you give up a homer to each uh -huh. of the first two batters in the game, yes. it's going to go downhill from there, and it did. We'll get to the White Sox for sure. We'll try to touch on the Bears a little bit, mostly just injury reports. And what did I just hear? Your Mitchell yell? Trubisky, another interception. Nick Kwiatkowski. I don't know about this Trubisky guy. He sucks. Jeez. But is it him just learning the scheme, or is it uh, physical? Is he a bad, uh, Is no direction with the throws, or just learning the schemes? We, the, we have to hope that he's just learning the schemes and not that he's got a scatterbrain arm. Well, for those listening, um, definitely sarcasm. Let's look at uh, what happened last night. Uh, Fred, the White Sox lose 10 to 5. As you mentioned, five home runs, Ronaldo Lopez. But you had a, another, uh, again in Major League Baseball, another position player pitching. Yep. Uh huh. Matt, Matt Davidson doing yeah. it again. Uh, three up, three down in the ninth inning. Okay. And with a slash line of 220, 328, <laughs> and 440, yep. I suggest that Matt Davidson go to the bullpen. We don't want to see him at third base or DH anymore because he can't play either position. Well, you said that last week. Now you oh have a spot God. for him, right? Yeah, He'd be no a doubt. great hitting pitcher, though. Wouldn't he, though? <laughs> so there we go. Yeah, because we heard Cap last night. Cap, and, you know, I know how you feel, Murph, oh, well, but Cap, David Kaplan said yesterday. With he the goes, DH? Twice. The Cubs had two right on, and who came up? Matt, uh, Mike Montgomery. Yeah, unfortunately, he was wrong. <laughs> it only was once. I, I didn't want to bring that up because we all love Cap. And every, I make a million mistakes in three hours. But that was totally incorrect. Well, it sounded good, though. Well, well, no, but the Cubs pitcher <laughs> batted twice. And only once were there the men on base. And uh, and Cap, one of his things in the uh, great post game with, yep. with uh, David DeJesus and our good buddy uh, Doug, Doug Glanville. Glanville. Yep. And uh, Mon Montgomery made the uh, final out of the second inning in a one through three inning with no, on, no men on. He struck out. His final uh, at bat... His second at bat was indeed in the top of the fourth, first and third, two out, and he struck out to end the inning. He was batting in the eight hole, too. Now, Cap didn't even mention that. If he was in the normal nine hole, a regular batter might have done better. But uh, I wasn't going to bring that up. Thanks, I Fred. No, nope, I'm bringing it up. Listen, anytime you say something on TV or radio, <laughs> you can be called out for being wrong. I, I get called out on a daily basis. And the Cubs lose 5-2. to two, And the Milwaukee Brewers creeping up. They're just a game and a half behind it. Pick, 
picked up Moose, Mike Moustakas, last night. They're moving their third baseman, Travis Shaw, over to second yeah, base. That's supposed to be a defensive disaster, so well, we'll see how that works he's out. Never, he's never played second base before. Right. They do it. Joaquin <laughs> Soria did have an inning of uh, scoreless relief last oh, night for them. Right. So Okay. You know, so one of their trades are working out. I, I kind of feel they need starting pitching, and uh, if they don't get any, I think it might be tough to catch the Cubs. Yeah, they're not done, those Brewers. Yeah. All right, we've delayed long enough. Uh, let's talk Cubs, and let's take a look at uh, the Murph and Fred Fan Focus Group Twitter poll. Thank you, EL11, Eric Ostrowski alongside. Normally, Fred, we do six. Six Twitter polls. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, one every half hour. Murph and Fred, nine till noon. But I had about 20 Twitter poll questions last night. I uh, weaned it down to... Uh, Ten. I couldn't Ten. get. I couldn't get it down to six. There's so much going on. Black and Abdallah are coming in at noon. They. They. We've got to be done. We can't stick around. So, uh, let's toss a couple in here to get the ball rolling. Normally, we do one every half hour. Number one, and vote at ESPN 1000. Cub fans, I can't wait to hear the results of this. Cub fans, multiple choice sounds simple, but think before you vote. All right, all right. Cub fans, do you like the Hamels? Pickup, all right? Okay. Hamill's uh, uh, trade. A, love it. B, well, he's a four or a five. Eddie Butler was too much to give up. C, it's a shot in the dark. Uh-huh. Or D, beggars aren't choosers. Oh, I like that phrase. I'm not trying to sway the jury. Vote right now. Cub fans, what do you think of the Cole Hamill's acquisition, the trade? I love it. Well, he's a four or a five. It's a shot in the dark. Uh-huh. Beggars can't be choosers. Next, vote now. What do you do with Tyler Chatwood? I know. What, what do you do, do with, with them? You get rid of them. Well, don't forget now. He gets thirteen million this year, next year, and the following year. That's thirty-nine million dollars if you multiply it out. So what do you do with them? A B C or D A. Keep them. Uh, put them in a six-man rotation. All right. B bullpen. C Put them on a fake DL like all the teams do now when they want to hide a guy away for 10 days. D, Montgomery to the bullpen. Chatwood stays in the five-man. Vote right now at ESPN 1000. And third and final for this session. Oh, my God. Where's Brandon Marshall? We need him. How long is this segment right now? <laughs> what is the next commercial? Who, we got a long way to go. Who will the Cubs get more help from the rest of the way? Jesse Chavitz, Cole Hamels. Who's going to help the Cubs the most the rest of the way? You should have had a third one there. Uh-oh. The third one could be player to be acquired soon. <laughs> you don't know. They're not done yet. The trading deadline, not for what, four more days. Now, think about this. The Cubs picked up Jesse Chavitz uh, about a week ago. Nice acquisition. Bullpen guy, right? Who's going to help the Cubs more in the final uh, eight weeks? Chavitz, Cole, Hamels. Vote now at ESP 1000 or vote on the uh, on the radio, 332-3776. All right, so last night, bright side for the Cubs. They scored two runs on the homer by a homer by two Rizzo solo homers and a homer by Baez. Though there was an interesting stat on that topic thrown out to us by Len Casper last night. 
The Cubs have, this is quite a shock, the Cubs have the fewest runs in baseball scored via home runs in the National League, rather. Okay. 33% of their runs are due to home runs. Okay. Two-run homer, three-run homer, solo homer. That is the lowest in the National League. Well, the Cubs, oh, they live and die by the home run. Well, not this year. Not this year. They're last in the NL uh, in runs via the home run. And it's the team's Cubs team lowest since 1977. Well, they have scored their last five runs on homers. The Cubs lead in uh, the league in batting average, runs scored, and on base percentage. So... Something they're doing is different. It's working, though. When they only scored it like last night, that's why yeah. it's key. Well, you know, they yeah, live or well, die by the sword. You they know? won the game the night before, the day before. Mm-hmm. Bodie a two-run homer and Rizzo a solo shot. So they scored two runs. Their either their last run at home and their first run on the road were Rizzo home runs. After he didn't homer yeah. since June 24th, then he hits homers in two straight days. So maybe he'll get on a little bit of a tear here. He's hitting like 440 in the leadoff spot, mm-hmm. and there's no reason to move him right now. And, Not with Bryant down. And the Cubs uh, only two errors in the last uh, 13 games, so they're playing their you know, famous uh, defense uh, from a few years ago, and uh, right now they're clicking defensively. But... Let's talk about last night's game. And let's talk about what's happening with the Chicago Cubs. Three three two three seven seven six. Let's cover these names right now, Fred. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. Mike Montgomery, Chris Bryant, Hugh Darvish, Cole Hamels. All right? You pick the order. Pick a lane, Fred. You want to talk about uh, Bryant, Montgomery, yeah, Bryant. Darvish, or Hamels? Go Chris Bryant first. Right. They're winning without him. You got David Bodie at third. Oh, yeah. And you got a cortisone shot for uh, in the shoulder of Chris right, Bryant. Yeah, and uh, 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 Happer at uh, third last night, well, right? You saw, you, you, I don't know if you saw what Joe Madden said the other day. said Chris Bryant's shoulder discomfort became even more apparent on Monday, this past Monday, mm-hmm. when he tried to restructure his swing. Okay, that's never a good thing, trying to do something different than you've done in your MVP seasons. And that'll come back up when we talk about another guy, too, doing something. Something different. Well, I heard that quote, and it was sort of, to me, of course, everything is confusing. He's trying to restructure his swing from what? From what he's been doing for the last month or what from his long-time career swing? He never really said that, which yeah. it was. So if he's going to be now a singles hitter, which I think is what most people, I you know, figured that's what they were saying, I'm going to retool the swing from the home run swing, if you will, you know, with the little loft in there and all that, you know, elevation. Launch and angle and everything else. Right? To, you know, what? Going to be a, a punch and Judy hitter? Or has he been babying the shoulder to try to, you know, save it, not have the hurt, the pain? And now he's going to go back, restructure back to the big swing. So I wasn't tracking exactly, but I'm assuming it meant to a less violent, more under control. Yeah. Punch and Judy and for an shul- for his swing. Right. If the shoulder's hurting that much, you want the Chris Bryant that won an MVP here, not the Chris Bryant that's a single sitter. So, you know, um, a strange thing came to my mind when yeah. they were talking about guys to move. Mm-hmm. If Chris Bryant's shoulder doesn't get better. Guys to move, you mean trade? Yeah. yeah. If yeah. Chris Bryant's shoulder doesn't get better. Bodie. You got Bodie. Do you move a Chris Bryant? 
I'm now I'm the only person on the face of the earth that was thinking that. Uh, I know it's way too early. Well, it's hard I'm to just trade saying, a guy. No, I'm, no, no, no. I'm just if he's it's not, hard to if trade he's, a guy when he's hurt. I'm saying. Right. If he's going to be if he's going to be a singles hitter the rest of his well, career, you won't get market value right now. No, you. Well, you can trick some people. Look at it. It's just a shoulder. He'll be fine. You know, there's there's an owner out there that'll make the move. But yeah, I mean, uh, one of those other 29 GMs is stupid, right? Well, there's at least there's at least more than one. So Chris Bryant. After the game, I want nothing more to see his shoulder come back because when he's at third base and they're all clicking, that's when this offense is at its best. So, uh, in a little uh, presser, as they call it, a little press conference, a media conference uh, with Chris Bryant uh, yesterday at, in St. Louis. Now, off the top of my head, let me paraphrase, but I think I have this correct. First, Chris Bryant says, I don't know when I'll be back. And then they asked him, Will you be back this year? He goes, oh, thousand percent I'll be back this year. <laughs> All right, now, I understand that, you know, there's only so many ways to spin things phrasing. I'm not trying to read anything into it. The kid, you know, he's going through a terrible time, I'm sure. You know, my my career, my shoulder, my team, what am I, you know, uh, DL didn't help. Right. A, a two, second cortisone shot that I just didn't take But think about uh, the juxtaposition. I don't know when I'll be back. But I'll be back 1,000%. I'll be back. Right. All right, well, okay. And probably makes sense. It just going, oh, I don't like the way that's being spun right here or what that means. I would just hope in the future when Chris Bryant comes back, he stops sliding head first. Yeah, that's how it originated yeah. on the first base. It was head first. I believe it was into first. I think it was, I too. think I can picture it. They've never said, doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. It is irrelevant. But, I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter where, but right. most people will tell you not to slide head first anywhere. All right, now, Chris Bryant also, I guess the story is, uh, he will be taking fewer swings. Of course, most everyone... You mean in... Well, they didn't until say... Until he gets healthy. Well... Not once he gets... Not that. during the games. Right. Not when he's <laughs> yeah. in a batter's box. When he's in a batter's box, I'd like him to swing as much as he has. I'm sure they mean not just BP, but off the tee and the soft right. toss and okay. all that jazz, you know. But, of course, the phrase is uh, he will be taking fewer swings. Of course, all our lovely media says less swings, which, of course, has now been one of those things like I couldn't care less. Uh-huh. It became I could care less. So now it has swept in. Uh, uh, Bill's going to the uh, game with uh, Fred and I. No, uh-huh. Fred and me. But now this is the newest one that irritates me. So now it's everything that should be fewer. Everyone says less. That's okay. I don't care. But he's going to be taking fewer or less swings. So I envision like he's been taking like 500 swings a day for the last 10 years as a maniac. You know, every day, BP, BP, soft toss, soft dry toss, cuts. off the tee, dry, off the tee. Dry cuts are huge uh, dry for baseball cuts, players. Right. Yeah, dry cuts well, are huge. He's going to cut back on that. Three three two three seven seven six. We'll get right to the phones. All right, next, Mike Montgomery, you Darvish, Cole Hamels. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Fred, you'll pick the lane next. Uh, Mike's in Chicago Heights. Hello, Michael. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Hey. Uh, listen, we need Chris Bryant back. Ian Happ at third base is a clumsy goof, and every time I look up when he's in the batter's box, he strikes out. It seems like it. I don't understand what is the love for Ian Happ. All right, Mike. Good call. Thanks. Well, I mean, yeah. a lot of people think he's uh, he's actually, they like him better at third base than they like Bodie. Well, let the, the record show. And we love all our callers. And Mike's very, that was very astute, but riddled with errors. Here, here's the problem in Chicago Heights. Number one, Happ, his best position 
by far is third base. And when a player does what he did yesterday, third baseman throws the ball away in a line drive, sure double play if you trap the man off second. Jim Deshaies was even thinking, it could be three, boom, boom, boom. Well, Aaron throw, he he juggled the ball in his hand. He couldn't, as the Hawk used to say, couldn't find the ears. Couldn't find the handle. None couldn't of the find ears. The ears yeah. Couldn't find the ears. But Hap has played some terrific defensive third base. Yeah, he stumbled on a, a play and looked bad. Secondly, he strikes out. He looks bad on the big swing on the uh, slider uh, down and in, especially when he's batting lefty. Mm-hmm. But if you look up, and I had to double check this the other day, he leads the Cubs in on base. Hap is walking a ton. He's got what? Uh, how many homers? He got 15, 14, 15, whatever. And he's got gap power. He's got speed around the bases. And he's leading the team in on base percentage. So you're going to get the strikeouts. That's baseball these days. And uh, Hap, I believe, has a huge upside. But we'll find out. After his last game or so, he may, he's fallen off just a little bit. Oh, but, two yeah. days ago, he led the Cubs. Right. Yeah, team he, in on yeah. Base. Zobris is 385, and right, right now, Hap is 376. So, All right. But he's right well, there. Yeah, well, that's be- Rizzo went out of two, three, they mm-hmm. tear him. So he's right there. Thank yep. you. Thank you on that. All right, Fred, next. Uh, you, Darvish. Let's, let's let's go visit yesterday, EO11. Uh, before we get into this crazy story of what happened yesterday, you Darvish through the 23 pitches, first 10. Oh, I had pain in my elbow through the translator, severe pain, he said, through the translator. Then he changed something. What? With his mechanics, they called it his arm extension. And when he did that pitch 11 through 23, his arm felt fine. There were reports after the game that he said, and we'll have Mark Gonzalez for more later, he expects to be off the DL by next weekend. That would mean he's fine. He's good to go. The first, I've never heard of this, in a pen. A, you know, it was flat ground right. pen, whatever you want to call it, both pen. First Not ten, flat ground. I think it was a regular bullpen, wasn't it? I don't think so. I no. saw the video. They showed the video. Oh, okay. I didn't, yeah, it I was out in left field. Uh, at least that's right here. Bullpens. I'm thinking well, it's off the mound. I know. Murphy took a bullpen and then he threw in the outfield oh, after as I'm, well. Okay. I'm, you're, thank you. Eric's okay. exactly right. There were reports that then after the 23 in the pen, he threw more. That's what they showed on video because the pen was maybe before the went in media the got there. Yeah. But t- the first 10 had severe pain. He does one adjustment with his arm slot. Or extension, they're calling it elbow for, and the eleventh pitch felt fine. He's going to be off. Reports off the DL in in a week. Now, yesterday, Rick Sutcliffe sucks the best. Rick says anything, and ninety nine percent of the time, you better listen to it. And when it comes to pitching, a hundred percent of the time, you better uh, listen to it. So first, uh, here's Rick Sutcliffe. This was yesterday, about five oh four which would be uh, Waddle and Sylvie's show. Mm-hmm. And Sut is talking about, uh, well, a command and when he was a pitching coach. And then he says what he saw of Darvish in spring training. Listen to this. I saw it in spring training. I, I You know, you, you look for fastball command. You guys know that I was a rookie league pitching coach. And I told all of my guys, look, it starts in the bullpen. Then all of a sudden you add a hitter, and then you add the adrenaline of the crowd. 
Uh, fastball command comes in those three stages, but it starts in the bullpen. And I never saw fastball command in the bullpen with you, Darvish, this spring. So uh, I don't expect anything out of him. Yikes. How about that? He never saw fastball command, command. in spring training. Yeah. It gets worse. About a minute or two later, six minutes later, 5.10, you were driving home. Listen to Waddle and Sylvie. Sut continues to talk about Darvish and also has to throw in. Is this where he talks about not signing the autographs also? And more X's and O's and uh, the arm and Darvish. Go ahead, Sut. What happened in spring training kind of uh, just kind of put a wedge between Darvish and me. Uh, when he wouldn't sign the kid for the, uh, the the autograph for the two kids in the wheelchair because he had to go throw two innings in a, in a spring training game, I, I didn't get that. I still don't get that. I never will get that. But um, you know, I, I, here's another thing. I mean, you know, he, he he says he feels pain in there, but I know that the Cubs have done everything they possibly can. They've looked at that in every single way possible. I know that they 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 had the physical before they signed him. Um, there's just a lot of things that go into that to where, in my mind right now, the, the signing of Cole Hamels is, is we're, we're not even counting on Darvish. He, he, you know, he, he, go ahead and he can go home right now. Um, <laughs> we, we, we know what we've got to do. Um, we don't count on him for anything over the course of this year. I don't know. Maybe he can come back and, and pitch out of the bullpen uh, late in the year. I, I, I just don't know any of that. Oh, Rick Sutcliffe, good Interesting, stuff. Interesting, yeah. A, a regular... Uh, a guest uh, here at uh, ESPN 1000 with with Waddle and uh, Sylvie. You know, and I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not saying that he's he's talking out of turn at all. But he is a guy that knows this team. He'll he's down anything. there helping them out. He's an he's an employee, if of I'm not Cubs. mistaken, yeah. as an ambassador. Yeah. Well, and actually, he works with the pitchers in spring training, yeah, right? So you know, if he says this, it's horrible. Yeah, um, I, w- I wouldn't be not be surprised if there's other people in the organization that feel the same way, where he, he, to, he doesn't expect anything from him. And he had to throw in the uh, not signing the autographs. He just. Had to. Which well, is, you know what? Hey, why not? I want to know all about the guy. Listen, you're not going to be a lovable Cub player if you don't sign autographs for the uh, kids. Well, that's not. That's that's a cheap shot. No, me. it's not. It's not well, because <laughs> because all baseball players, like I'm saying, they've done a thing where they don't bring in bad guys. If you Darvish is not signing autographs, it was a bad signing. So there's only one guy that made the signing, and that was Theo. But if Johan Mankata passed wheelchair kids, got nothing to do with it. You're bringing up the White Sox. It's got nothing to do with it. No, you specifically said Cub fan. Yes, Uh and if you're not going to sign an autograph for a Cub fan, when everybody else, the other 50 guys down there are signing autographs, they maybe don't belong, deserve to be on the team. I'm not comparing Cubs and Sox. Don't even start with that. It's got nothing to do with it. Three three two three seven seven six. So. Darvish, without him, they're toast. I will say that right now. This starting pitching staff, whether you blame anyone or not, it's irrelevant right now who's to blame. Without Darvish, look what you got. Now let's go next. Let's go next to the Cole Hamels discussion, Fred. Well, they basically got him to replace Darvish. Cole Darvish Hamels, isn't be ready. Cole Hamels is like going to the carnival. And trying to knock down the whatever you knock down these days at the carnival, the, and and winning for your gal or your whoever the big stuffed animal, the big stuffed animal mm-hmm. on the top shelf. Then there's a middle. Then there's a little. That's the third shelf. 
third shelf. But you know what? That's better than nothing, right? Well, right now, it's better than Darvish. Beggars aren't choosers. No, they can't be. And who was the beggar? Well, we know who the beggar was. It was it was Theo, because there's nothing to trade. Oh, no, don't start with that again, Murph. Okay. I've been warning you, Cub fans, for about two years, and then the World Series. Went, but then, 18 months, 12 months, 9, 8, 7 months, 6, 5, 4 months, 3, 2, 1. You know what? It's been an unbelievably... Non-productive six, seven years now for uh, the Epstein regime as far as drafting and signing free agent. But you uh, have young high school and college, it's called the free agent draft and the international signings. But you have to give them credit because Theo and Jet have admitted that they failed. Well, what else are they going to do? I know. they have. Uh, Hoyer's been on the station probably within like what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. It's been horrible. Going on saying that well, we've been unable to develop any pitchers in our yeah, staff. No blanks, Sherlock. Or, we in know our, that. In we, our system. We, we know that, I know. Jed. Uh, well, at least they're admitting it. because and, and, they, <laughs> and they will tell you they don't have much to offer for these big-name players. They're able to get a Cole Hamels because, you know, he's got $20 million next year with a $6 million buyout. And Texas isn't going anywhere. They figure they'll take Eddie Butler and uh-huh. this this Lacey kid. And uh, hopefully, you know, they were happy to be done with uh, Cole Hamels. It's bad enough when you're it's 118 at game time, but then Cole Hamels got an ERA of 690 at home, which isn't any good either. Where's the big... Remember, there's going to be waves and waves of players coming. Well... There were some waves which they had to trade because, again, they had no pitching. So you had to trade uh, Glebar Torres. All right, that would have been a nice wave coming through. You had to trade Soler for Wade Davis, which wouldn't have been that big of a wave yeah, coming Soler through. Soler gets hurt again. That's all right. But, yeah. I mean, the point is he was major league and uh, player, and they got something for him. And then you move Eli Jimenez for Quintana. And, and Dylan Cease, who we'll talk right. about in a minute from the White Sox Minute. But the you know, waves aren't coming because for one starting pitcher to have been drafted or signed, one or two starting pitchers in the last five, six, seven years would have solved all this. Now you have to make the panic move. And Cole Hamels, when we return, I have a very, very damning scouting report on Cole Uh-oh. Hamels that I got last night. He hasn't even pitched yet. From a guy I know uh, that is not a Chicago Cubs nor uh, Sox, neither of a, uh, a scout, uh, scout for another major league team. And we'll hear his quick little report. But listen, on Cole Hamill. He just went from last in the West to first in the Central. I mean, uh, come on. He's going he's gonna... to. Uh, and if I hear once more the reminiscent of uh, a Chatwood, well, you know what? He's got a terrible ERA at home in that band box in Texas, and it's hot and the wind blows up. But he's super on the road. That's what they told us about Chadwood. He's number two in the big leagues, Murph, over the last two years, only behind Clayton Kershaw on road ERA in 2016-2017. Yep. Oh, we got a winner here with Chatty, three three two three seven seven six. Jesse in about a half hour. All that and more. And the White Sox Minute. And Very f- interesting. Also, don't forget, Black and Abdallah coming on at noon because we've got Cubs-Cardinals. So they got an extended pregame right here. Cubs-Cardinals, 2.30 on ESPN 1000. Hey, EO 11, can you take me out on... Uh, now, the waves and windows uh, into the break. We all know that the waves of players aren't coming. Catch a wave and you're sitting on top of the And the window, is it closing or still open? Back in a flash, 
she has to be at 1,000. Catch a wave and you're sitting on top of the world. Welcome back, Murph and Fred. Glad you're with us. Beautiful Saturday, beautiful last few days, next few days. Low humidity. Our kind, your kind of weather, Fred. Yeah, it's perfect. Yesterday was the most <laughs> gorgeous day of the year. Yes. My wife and I went out on a boat, a sea dog cruise, ah. out in the lake, and then we went down the architectural tour. It was mm-hmm. unbelievable. Then went down to see my buddy uh, Jimmy Banos at Heaven on 7. I saw you posted that on oh, uh, FB, right? It was so good. The, uh, the, the shrimp and corn chowder. Ooh. And then... The uh, etouffee of the day with a nice beer from Sweetwater Beer. God bless you. What? Etouffee. Yeah, I know. I had a hard time spelling it when I put it on. So really, really good. Stop by, uh, you know, the original Heaven on 7, 111 uh, Wabash, North Wabash. You can't miss it. Seventh floor. Aren't those those Cicero guys? Yep. Cicero guys went to high school with them. And I also, uh, John Seswick was also there. He He graduated Morton East in 76. No, 74. I did in 75, and yeah. Jimmy Banos in 76. Yeah. Amazing. I grew up in Cicero. There's not too much I believe in unless I see it. <laughs> ah, there's no doubt. We don't believe in much of anything. Jesse, in a few minutes, we'll get right back to the phones. Cub fans want to talk about, well, everything, the starting pitching. Before we jump to the phones, Fred, and I know you have some thoughts on this also, I have a little uh, topic here real quick. And I don't know whether to call this the... Uh, That's almost a segment. I got a little topic well, here. Well, you know what? And they used to say... Uh, as long as we get... Once we get an open, it'll be a segment. They used to say, yeah, Murph, all he does is gimmick radio. Now you listen. Every, the whole, all sports talk radio is gimmick radio. All, it's all gimmick. Which is fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's entertaining. As long as it's entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, that one guy. You're doing gimmick radio. Okay, fine. Here's the title of this segment, all right? Okay. Well, I don't know. I got two titles. The Domino Effect mm-hmm. or Theo's Biggest Mistake. All right, here we go. The move of Montgomery to the starting rotation triggered the Domino Effect, resulting in, quote-unquote, the Iowa Shuffle. Okay. That's not a new dance craze. Get back in your chair, Fred. Yeah. I rarely dance. Only when the White Sox polka music comes out. Yeah. Fred dances around the table. I'm waiting for the White Sox bullpen to dance. They haven't <laughs> been able to dance all year like the Cubs. Okay. I couldn't believe the Cubs, after the walk-off homer the other day, they were dancing in the bullpen. They should have been running out to the field to celebrate. But I guess they had to wait to dance first. Yeah, why, would they, why, why don't they come out and join the team? The game was over. It's like, oh, we got to stay here and dance first. Okay, dance is over. Since the Cubs moved the bullpens <laughs> underneath the bleachers, yeah. there hasn't been a... Uh, Benches emptying, clearing brawl has there yet in the last year and a half? Maybe there has. I was, I'm waiting to see both bullpens. Both doors open. Yeah. Going single file through the door, run into the pitcher's mound half-heartedly. Yeah, like it's kind of like, like the Christians and the Lions. Or why don't they just meet uh, like where the center fielder stands and uh, have a scrum? I, yeah, I don't know why the, why the bullpens just don't go attack each other. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I don't know. That made yeah, more sense. Right where the center fielder would be. They should come out with gear like a, like a, uh, like the Russian or the uh, Romans did back uh, in the all day. All right. So this is either the domino effect okay. or Theo's biggest mistake. The move of uh, Mike Montgomery to the starting rotation triggered the domino effect, resulting in, among other things, the Iowa shuffle. That was it, minor leaguers coming back and forth. Mm-hmm. Guys you never heard of, right? Yeah, Alec Mills last night. Yeah. Pitched well. Yeah, he's all right. Six up, six down, I think. Four, they're all 4A uh, guys, you know. Yep. They're all 
uh, you know, the old war wins above replacement. These are all guys that are like what you call replacement. You don't want them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they'll be, they'll have a couple of good outings. So, uh, number one, Theo's biggest mistake was moving Montgomery to the starting pitching rotation. Why? Montgomery was your guy that would come in twice a week, three, three and a third innings. That was a key role. Mm-hmm. In the old days, Fred, they'd call it, and we'll get back to this in a minute, the long man. Yep. Right? Yep. EO11, you ever hear the old-timey? Old-timey. I like that. When the young-timey guys, they, they're the old-timey guys. Okay. A young-timey guy there, EO11, you ever hear the phrase, the long man? Yeah, absolutely. The All middle right. man, the so, mid-roll. Like, yeah. yeah see, uh-huh. Eric's, Eric's a baseball guy. Right, I know, yeah. I know, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, what... How would you, you know, do, you know, envision the definition of that? There's no right or wrong answer. Right, but, a middle relief is a guy that comes in when your your starter has a bad outing, yeah. so he covers that like three to six inning. Like he, yeah. a reliever that's going to come in and give you two to three innings. Exactly, maybe four. In the old days, these would be veteran over the hill starters that were still serviceable enough and kicking around, and you'd have him in your bullpen. He's the long man in case, like you say, your starter got knocked out in the third, fourth, heaven forbid, the fifth inning in the old days. Bring in the long man. Now you don't have, oh, the Cubs have one now. Cole Hamels. He's nothing more than a long man. Okay, next, Theo. His biggest mistake. His biggest mistake was taking... Montgomery out of the bullpen because he had no choice. He had, he had, I'm not criticizing him for doing it. They had to do it, but they had no choice. They had no pitching coming through the system after five, six, seven years. Now, his seven-year inability to develop starting pitching killed this season because you move Montgomery to the starting rotation. Now, you don't have... EO11's long man. They got to bring in all these one-inning guys. And it's all baseball, Fred. It's not just the Cubs. Every team now, the bullpen guys are one-inning guys. One-inning guys. One-inning guys. Come and throw 94. Come and throw 97. Come in and throw 99. And then you're out. But guess what? You burn out those guys if your starters don't go seven or eight. Yeah. Well, and here's the, here's the thing, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, the Cubs didn't plan on making Mike Montgomery a starter, despite how often he said he wanted to be a starter. No, but they had no choice. They had no choice when, when Chatwood started pitching poorly and, right. Darvish, and, and Darvish couldn't pitch. All but Lester. Right. So they had no choice but to go to him. But my solution with all this stuff is, I mean, you heard earlier in the week, there was a 16-inning game where Kiki Hernandez had to come in and pitch for the Dodgers and give up a three-run homer to the Phillies in a big game. Right. And they're running out of pitchers and they want to change the rules for extra innings and all that stuff. My solution, they do it in football. You have a 30-man roster. Every game, every game, you say these 25 guys are active today, five guys aren't. Now, if you want to have five more pitchers at your you know call, that's great. If you want to have three pitchers and two position players, but I don't want to see... I'm getting a little tired of seeing position players pitch. I know it's a fun thing. You're at the ball game. Your team's getting beat 7-1. to It's throw an in. embarrassment. It is an embarrassment. To the fans and the game. If you were watching the Cub game the other day. And the teammates. When Caratini and Rizzo came in, mm-hmm. three times Tim Kirchin asked Eduardo Perez in that inning, Eduardo, what do you think about this position players pitching? He didn't answer. He asked him again. Didn't answer. He baseball players don't like it and Dan Plesak was on the other day yeah. and he said 
He doesn't like it at all. But it's all, yes, I agree. And it's because of the two reasons we just said, Fred. Number one, one and done. there's no long man. Yeah. And when they took Montgomery out of that role, that forced all these other guys from the 4A under-replacement value pitchers coming. Here they are, all these guys. Uh, Mills, in six up, six down yesterday. Okay, he's a 4A guy all his life. Here they are, Anthony Bass. Now, Randy Rosario, he's going to level out now, too. You're noticing Justin Hancock, Corey Mazzoni, James Norwood, Dylan Maples. These are all There's four. There's a lot of them. They're all 4A guys. They've had to go to a lot of them. So, Theo's right. had a stockpile of 4A guys. He doesn't have a starting pitcher, and that's killing you as a team. And Montgomery's got to get back in the bullpen. I don't know how they're going to get him back there. But they, well, they got Cole Hamels. There's only one way to that, keep Chatwood in the rotation. That's yeah. how they're going to move him out there. Northwest side, Tom, Murph and Fred, go. Murph and Fred, always enjoy listening to you guys. And I, I appreciate the fact that you guys do not have the Cubs or the White Sox uh, franchise as far as broadcasting, so you guys can be objective. Uh, Epstein and Hoyer, uh, the final straw was really, for me, this Cole Hamels. Uh, Think of it, $20 million to pick up this guy next year, $6 well, six, million to buy gonna, him I just let the record show yeah. they will be paying total $6 million out of pocket to Cubs. $6 million for a third level on the uh, carnival shelf. Guy that's over the hill, he had the worst record in baseball over the last 30 days. Hey, maybe he'll come back strong. Go ahead, Tom. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Listen, uh, this should have been a cash deal only to give up, like, Eddie Butler at the end here, he was pretty effective considering uh, to give up him and that kid Lacey. Uh, unbelievable. Epstein and Hoyer, they have been a bust. Uh, I'm so glad that you guys have brought that up. We finally found the, the fact that the seven years, six, seven years that they depleted the farm system. They developed, four, they developed four players. We all know who they are. The four first-round picks. Uh, it was a Hap and Schwarber and Elmora and, and Brian. Uh, Brian. Go ahead, please. But uh, I, I appreciate you guys so much because you're telling the truth, and we don't hear that on the other on the other stations. Well, I'll that, just leave you with this, Tom and, and thanks, Fred. Tom. You, you don't want to be the 85 Bears and win once. Thank you, Tom. No, and, you know, the other thing you have to realize, too, is it's not easy, okay? Despite the fact no, there, no. there's been seasons where teams look really, really good and look like you can repeat, it's not easy. That's why no one's repeated in the American League since uh, 2000. No one's repeated in the National League. Is it like 76? It's ridiculous. No one's repeated for such a long time in the NL to win the World Series. It takes a long, long time and uh, it's not easy to stay there. Getting good. I mean, the Atlanta Braves, everyone thought about the Atlanta Braves, 14 straight division titles. Yeah, they won one World Series. Are the Atlanta Braves the Bears? No, they're worse. Fred, in seven years, the only pitcher this regime uh, developed is Zach Godley with Arizona. They traded him to get um, uh, Montero, the catcher, Miguel uh -huh. Montero. It's It's unbelievable. Other than the four, you know, the first, those four picks we just mentioned on the first one. No, not Baez and not Contreras. Those were from the previous regime. You could get a Baseball America subscription. Look it up online. You could have made those four picks. Uh, three of the four. You might not. Schwarber was predicted to go maybe 17th. So they, they had a good job going out and getting.
hitting him earlier earlier than people expected. Yeah, but their super scout who has passed away right. fought for that at the meeting because he followed him through uh, well, in, Indiana. Saying, but, it, but most people were surprised when they picked him as high as they did. Mm-hmm. I think they're looking back at it and saying, you know what, Cubs made a nice pick. Now he's just got to keep hitting. Yeah. Last chance vote right now. Jesse Rogers in a few minutes. Vote at our uh, Twitter poll. We'll have those results. Back in a flash, it's Murph and Fred. It's ESPN 1000. Ten minutes away from Jesse Rogers and double bubble. Cubs beat Guy. Gonzo Mark Gonzalez at 11 o'clock. They're both down in St. Louis. Cubs lose 5-2 to two. Uh, to St. Louis. Only a game and a half now in front of second place Milwaukee. Milwaukee, they're right there, and they get Moustakis. Yeah. Well, the Cubs got lefties now, and they got Cole Hamels to offset that. Yes, they did. And uh, Pittsburgh, seven back. They've been playing good ball. St. Louis, eight back. Thought they were dead, but two more wins by St. Louis. They only be six back. Yikes. So, uh... I'm on the uh, on the phone last night talking to a uh, longtime major league insider scout, not with the Cubs or the Sox guy. No, no. And I said, uh, you know, I said he knew I wouldn't attribute it to right. him. You know, I'm mm-hmm. going to come out and quote him and say who it is, but rest assured. And I said, give me a you know quick little thumbnail on uh, Cole Hamels. He goes, boom, 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 boom. It's amazing. You can ask these type of guys, his career guy. Boom, 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 boom. Top of their head, right? Goes, number one. He said, well, he's better than a minor leaguer. Okay. (laughs) That's as Jiggs would say, damning with faint praise. Sure is. Better than a minor leaguer. Number two, he says, every five starts. Mm -hmm. He says, you can almost track this perfectly. Cole Hamels, every five starts. He'll have one very good, okay, three so-so, and one is horse blank. Okay. So does that make you a three? Because on the average, a one, one good start like an ace. That might be a Quintana. That three, similar. I mean, so-so's yeah. and a five, you know, like the worst. Uh-huh. I don't know, though. I don't think it's a three. When you got every five starts, will give you one very good one. Three are... 50-50 so-so, and, and a, 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 one will be horse Would you blank. want Quintana better than that? No. He's about the same. Yeah. yeah. But is he a three? That Well, he he's is a, now. For some teams, he's yeah, a three. He is now. For an average team, he's a two. For a good team, he's a four or a five. Theoretically. And it's the third thing. So he says, he's better than a minor leaguer. Uh, he broke down every five starts what will occur. And uh, he says he's a... Uh, Damn near done. Damn near done. That's yeah. not a good one. But well, you have to realize too. They people keep talking about how he pitched in the World Series. That was in two thousand eight. Yeah, that was ten years ago that yeah. he was at. actually eleven. But let's. Well, not yeah, count. you're right. Yeah, that's eleven <laughs> years ago. So I mean, that's a seasons. long, long time ago. Yeah. So eleven seasons. Yeah, I mean, that's. <sighs> he also broke lovely Dana's heart. We were at the game at Wrigley Field when he threw the. Uh, the no, hitter. no hitter. Yeah, against the Cubs, it was the only game I think that Arietta lost, or in, 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 that, right. like a, in a two month run or something like that. And uh, lovely Dana got great seats right there. And the Cubs getting first time they'd been no hit at Wrigley Field since uh, 
I don't know, like 50 years or something crazy like that, right? Oh, you remember the last out of that game, uh, Oduble Herrera oh, yeah. misplayed. It was a ball that Chris Bryant hit back to the wall. Everybody thought it was gone. Stumbling, bumbling. He stumbled. He caught it on, on all <laughs> fours. And, you know, they keep bringing up that mm-hmm. Cole Hamels is like 3-1 and one with an ERA of 1-something at Wrigley Field. you got to remember he was pitching against the Cubs when when they weren't they weren't really good back then. Well, I mean, they, he had the no hitter a couple of years ago when they were good, when they were just on the verge of getting good. But you again, know, don't it, go give me. And I know it. I know it. Some of the old old timey guys will remember this. The Cubs used to like Jeff Blauser too because he hit yeah. well at Wrigley Field. But he was hitting he was hitting Cub pitching at Wrigley Field. And again, the point is, I'm not criticizing this pickup because beggars are had to do choosers. something. <laughs> Theo had nothing to offer, and he was in a panic corner, built by himself because he didn't have anything developed coming up as starting pitching. But I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. But did you think I'd like to see a second World Series? Uh, that's the only reason I bring this up all but, the time. But did you think for any time? See, I thought this last year too, and I thought that the Cubs. Because they have Chatwood for two more years, and they have Darvish for five more years, mm. and they have Quintana for another couple of years, and they have Hendricks, and they have Lester. I really seriously thought that they were just going to sit and play it out with what they had. Because they talked about be, having sustained success. They don't want to move anybody off their uh, everyday roster. They still haven't done it. They can't. I know. Okay. Well, they can. Hold but that th- hold But that then, then, we'll, then we'll, the whole team you put together yeah. for this window is going to get even closer. You know, it's going to close even more and more. Well, exactly. And to that point, Fred, say they had traded Hap and Bodie mm-hmm. the other day for a uh, starting pitcher. Now Brian's done. So who plays third? Uh, yeah. Oh, well, you could move Baez there. All right, then who plays second? Well, you could put Zobris, but he there. can't play every day. Well, then you could. No, you can't. You can't trade away. Oh, tra- trade Schwarber and, and Russell and th- throw in half for, uh, you know, uh, DeGrom. Well, yeah, then you're going to lose every game because you got no one to play on the field. Well, see, then that's, that's why I thought they would just sit and stand pat and say, listen, we made the moves. We thought Chatwood's going to be better. We picked up Darvish. We're going to wait on him. Um, that probably would not have made the fans happy, but I kind of thought that that's what the Cubs were going to do. Now they pick up Hamels, and to be honest, Hamels, like you said, at the end of the year, they're not going to pay him $20 million to stay next year. They're going to pay him the $6 million, he'll be gone. He's got seven coming now and a $6 million buyout. Right. They hold a hot potato, as I call it, and uh, they got to pay about six of that uh, $14 uh, um, million that the Rangers, they all split it. So do you realize this? Theo just paid $6 million of Tom Ricketts' money for two months of Cole Hamels. Uh-huh. It's what you call on inside baseball spending money to make up for your mistakes. How would you like to pay $6 million for eight weeks right now, Cole Hamels? He, he had to. Have you seen Gallagher way lately? They got it. Well, no, that's not the point. I know, but they got it. I mean, uh, yeah. But they, see, that's what they always said. The reason, the reason they're tra- they've made all these improvements was to make more money to put towards the team. I know. So, but wouldn't it be nice not to have to pay sure six million for eight weeks of Cole Hamels if you developed one starting pitcher in words, seven years? It, mark my words. In three years, you're going to have Alex Lang in the in the rotation if they don't trade him away. Now, I loved him when he was the uh, host of the uh, dating game. That wasn't was Jim it? Lang. So, let's just remember, Theo's biggest mistake was not finding and acquiring, however he had to do it, a starting pitcher 
six weeks ago, instead of bringing Mike Montgomery out of the bullpen as the long man that was saving innings, it was the domino effect. Uh, well, see, I, one, one, I thought they should have made Montgomery a starter and not picked up Chatwood. Then if they would have had Montgomery, but, he's not, but now we know he's not a starting pitcher. Well, we know after going back and forth, he's maybe. Not. Yeah, but well, is it's Chatwood? No, but Montgomery has shown that he was never a starting pitcher, and they were smart not to do it. Now look at him; he's he's toast right now. He can't go five innings. He gives up twelve hits. It's not his fault. He's a three three and a half four three and a third four inning guy. Hey, so we love. All our sponsors, and I love hearing uh, almost every day, it seems, the White Sox Minute. Uh-huh. Here was a good one earlier this week. Just play a portion of it here, please, EL11. This is your White Sox Minute. I'm Jason Benetti. It was just about this time one year ago, Dylan Cease became a White Sox prospect. He came over to the Sox as part of the deal that sent Jose Quintana to the Cubs and Cease tonight in just his fifth ever start in Double A sizzled. Seven innings shutout baseball. He gave up just one hit and struck out 12 for the Birmingham Barons, which lowers Cease's ERA to 283 in Double A. And in his last four starts, he's given up just four combined earned runs. 42 strikeouts in 28 innings and two-thirds, and at least seven strikeouts in every one of his starts. He told us during our telecast last night he's just trying to work on his consistency to close out the year. By the way, he doesn't turn 23, Dylan sees, until December 28th. You're Why? telling me, Fred, that Rick Hahn would not have taken Eli straight up for Quintana. The Cubs had to throw in Dylan Cease. Well, that's why, I mean, Hahn apparently had said that if, without Cease, they weren't making the deal. They weren't going to give up Quintana just for that. So I don't believe it. Well, you know. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But, and then and this week, they go up Joaquin Soria for this Milwaukee prospect, Cody Medeiros, uh, lefty, who's pitching really, really well. So they're, they're stockpiling pitchers. Now, they've got a problem because they don't have enough position players. Inside sources tell me the Cubs still feel and felt at the time that Dylan Cease would blow his arm out for the second time. He had the TJ a long time ago, Tommy John. Time will tell. Hey, time tells us Jesse Rogers in a couple minutes. Stick around. Hour number one's history. Last chance to vote for our first hour Twitter poll vote at ESPN 1000. Don't touch that dial. It's ESPN 1000. Busy day. Talking sports with you. Smurf and Fred. One minute away from Jesse Rogers. All right, let's bring in EO11 with a quick look at the results of our first hour. Uh, Twitter polls, number one, Eric. Uh, Cub fans vote right now. Well, it's too late now. <laughs> Do you like the Cole Hamels trade? A, B, C, or D? Love it. He's a four or a five, Murph. It's a shot in the dark. Beggars aren't choosers. What do fans say, Eo? All right, real close one, but 33% one with shot in the dark. All right. What was uh, the uh, D? Beggars aren't choosers. Beggars aren't choosers was the lowest with 13%. But that's actually the correct answer. But what do I know? I'm just a fan. Next, 30 seconds. 30 seconds away from Jesse Rogers. Number two, what do you do with Tyler Chatwood? A, B, C, or D. You can't kill him. (laughs) That would be E, but we only have four slots. What do you do with Tyler Chatwood? Keep him in a six-man rotation. 
B, bullpen. C, put them on that old fake DL for at least 10 days. Do they have a 60-day fake DL? 60? Or D, Monty to the bullpen. Chatty keeps starting. Oh, what the fans say? 56% say fake DL stint. Love it. And a final one. Uh, who will help the Cubs more in the final two months? New reliever Jesse Chavez. New starter Cole Hamels. This I want to hear. 62% say Cole Hamels. Well, wrong again, but let's bring in the guy that's always right. I know where he is. He's down in St. Louis. He's at the park. It's Saturday. He's in St. Louis, and he's going to say he likes St. Louis because he's very politically correct. Young man, hello, Jesse. How about beggars can't be choosers, and it's a shot in the dark? How about both? <laughs> I, I'm going I'm to vote, vote more than once on that poll. Hey, fans, had a Jesse Rogers brought to you by Murph and Fred. See, unlike, unlike Major League Baseball's all-star balloting, with our Twitter polls, you can't vote more than once. Ah, gotta, <laughs> unlike, now, once baseball figures it out, there won't be millions and millions of people voting. There'll just be like 30,000. Unlike most places, right? All right, Jesse, first things first, uh, the injury report. Fans want to know, number one, uh, Chris Bryant, then uh, Darvish, then we'll get into Hamels. So let's start with Chris Bryant, young man. It's all over the board. He says, I don't know when I'll be back, but I'm a thousand percent sure I will be back. What, is, <laughs> what does that mean, Jess? Well, it means in his mind it's it's not that uh-huh. serious, yeah. not serious enough to shut him down. That's for sure. I think it's just about rest, and I can't I can't predict when that when that inflammation is going to go away or when he's going to pick up a bat and not feel as bad as he did when he when he went down the second time here. But I would think it's going to be a while because I don't know why you would do the same exact thing. That's the defi- definition of insanity, right? So I would I would think they're going to prescribe a little bit more rest, and I I tried to push him on that yesterday. And he just simply wouldn't go anywhere except for when he is feeling better in that shoulder and the doctors say it's okay, he's going to pick up that bat. But I think it's going to be longer than the first time around. It only, it only makes sense to me because otherwise you're going to be back here in a month doing the same thing. Jesse, we put you on every Saturday. I don't think that's insanity. <laughs> well, some people that's the might. Only, only thing you do that is sane. You're right, Merv. Ah, uh, you can't <laughs> fool me. There is no such a thing as a sanity clause. <laughs> you know, we we talked about this earlier, Jess, about Chris Bryant. Uh, according to Madden, this was earlier in the week. It said Chris Bryant's shoulder discomfort became even more apparent Monday when he tried to restructure his swing. Hmm. Now. Murph and I were a little confused. Did he try to restructure his swing from the home run swing, the the launch angle, or from the singles hitter swing that he had after it first got hurt? How was he trying to restructure it? Do you know? You know, I, all I know is that it, on the follow through is when the pain uh, when the pain would 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 uh, increase or whatever you want to call it, or he'd feel it. I guess you should okay. say the funny thing is, because yesterday he was talking about it when he it was swings and misses that would would hurt him more than when he made contact. And that and I think we can all picture what what he's kind of saying. It's that full extension back. So I think that's where Joe saw it. He he re sort of aggravated it sometime against the Cardinals. So over the weekend, tried to play Monday and then Monday was it. Just could, could not and Joe noticed the the sort of 
different looking swing. I right. don't know exactly what it looked like because I wasn't you know watching that closely, but I think we we all know what he means when he swung and missed. He felt it a lot more than when he made contact. So when you were uh, managing and the hitting coach of that juggernaut in Northbrook <laughs> Little League team, the follow through, which you just referred to, when it maybe you know pinches or whatever, isn't that have something to do with power though the follow through well sure yeah so i mean maybe he was not swinging as hard or mm-hmm. the launch angle change or whatever the case may be yeah, yeah. It, it obviously affected how hard he was hitting the ball so now he's not going to do that follow through well you know that's well he's got to follow through i mean he can't do it with that pain that's why he went on the dl but mm-hmm. you, it's a good question when he comes off Will he have an adjusted swing? I don't think so. I don't think that's his plan. His plan is to get the shoulder as healthy as yeah, possible. Right. And that, but, but again, if, if you don't, then you're going to be back here in a month and doing the same thing over and over again. All right. We've been talking about you for the last hour. Darvish. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about you in the 11 o'clock we hour. Talk, we'll talk about him when he's gone. All right. So. He throws yesterday. The video showed out in the outfield. I was confused. I thought that was his the, the 21 throws. That was later, I guess. So I'll, as we know now, Jesse, he threw in the pen. That'd be off the mound. The first 10 throws, according to see, through the translator, this is where it gets sort of hinky. Uh, the first 10 throws, pain, uh, extreme pain was one of the, uh, you know, interpretations. Severe, severe pain. Severe yeah. pain, thank you. But again, that's through the translator. But then, after the 10 painful throws, elbow it appeared, I think they reported, then... This is where it gets bizarre. He changed something, not the arm slot, but the extension or the forearm mm-hmm. or maybe the elbow or the torque or the tweak or whatever. And then 11 through 21 pitches well, were pain-free. And there were even reports that uh, he had mentioned uh, he's going to be off the DL perhaps. You know, not perhaps. He's going to be off the DL by next weekend. How in the heck after 10, and what do I know? I've never been a major league pitcher. I've never even been in a locker room. Jesse, how can you throw 10 pitches and your elbow's got severe pain, and then you change it, and now the 11th uh, pitch and the next 10 are fine? Yeah, that's a great question. And Theo stressed, try, try not to parse everything that Darvish says. I will I will say this. If, if you want to look at sort of the glass being half full, yeah. If it was that painful, and the trainers were watching, I saw this whole thing. Okay, he warmed up in the outfield. He went to the bullpen, mm. and I did see them talk during his his session. So obviously, after you know, during those first ten, he's probably telling the trainer, "I'm feeling something here. I'm feeling something here." Then he then he changes that extension. He starts to feel better. My point being, if it was that severe, they would have shut him down right there and then, right? I mean, they would have stopped the session. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. You know, so they're they're working through this discomfort, maybe more than pain is is is, is probably a better way of saying it. And all I can say is Theo is saying, don't worry about it. It was it it ended fine. He he's it was a positive step. I, but I agree with you. It's confusing. There's no doubt. Everybody was confused by it. Mm. We stood there with Darvish for ten minutes, reporters and. And and made him reiterate this over and over again, and then Theo sits down and says, "Don't listen to him. Basically, <laughs> don't you know? Don't parse everything he says." He finished the session, though it was maybe it was a, you know kind of short, twenty three pitches, but then threw again in the outfield. I don't know what to tell you, Murph. I mean, I'm not inside his head. I think everybody's a little bit confused by this. But um, it, 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 what did I say before the session? It's baby steps with him, and we took one more little one, I guess, yesterday. Hmm. You know, um, 
the next question, I guess, would be Colt Hamels. Your thoughts on it? We had Phil Rogers on the other night after the deal was made and after we talked with you after the deal was made. He said underwhelming. Um, I, I know Cub fans are looking at what he did at Wrigley Field, what he did back in 2008. What he did this year, it can't just be home and road. I mean, you know, there's a four... There's more than a four-point difference, I think, in ERA between his home and his road uh, ERAs. Your thoughts on, on Cole Hamels? Was it something that they had no choice? They had to go on out and do something else the way that Darvish isn't pitching and Chatwood is pitching? You know, not just that. It's just depth. I mean, it's, Theo said it right. They're one more injury away from this thing, whole, this whole thing falling apart. So it wasn't even we need a playoff starter. It was... What if we have an injury? We need someone that can actually start, that has experience. Bring now, up somebody if, from the minors. It's stopped. It's waves coming. Nah, not yet it isn't. <laughs> not yet. Not in starter waves, that's All for right. sure. Mm-hmm. So it, let's just start with that aspect. Even if Dar- Darvish was healthy, they'd be a little light in that category. Now, I don't know if they'd get Hamels or some smaller name, but just just in terms of healthy arms, they needed one. Okay, so they get him. Now you start to hope and pray that he he finds he you know finds the fountain of youth, all that stuff. Now what bothers me about the home and road is his fastball was getting hit, and that's I mean if you told me his curveball was getting hit, okay, well don't throw the curveball. We can work around that. But when a pitcher's fastball is getting hit like like it was, that's a little concerning. Now. It, maybe it all changed. You you do have to you know change the scenery. Last place to first place, AL to NL. Yeah, uh, you know bad bad uh, pitchers park to a decent one depending on the win, whatever. Um, and then certainly navigating the bottom of NL lineups. I give him every chance to to recoup all that glory he had. But you have to look at this and remember he was last in ERA, last in OPS uh, since it's in the month of July. He has the, the worst fastball. thirty days of any pitcher in baseball. Yeah. The last thirty. It, 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 it's un, it's really unheard of for a contender to trade for a guy pitching like that in July. Now six Theo million, tried to make six, the cake. six million bucks uh, to to for eight weeks of Cole Hamill, but Fred points out Gallagher ways making that much alone, right? Yeah, I mean the the money is not the concern here. The concern is if you just picked up a guy that's actually worse than <laughs> Chatwood or the way Montgomery's pitching. Uh, Imagine that if, uh, he gives, if he gives it up even more than those guys. Mm-hmm. But see, Jess, so, and, and you just mentioned though um, the way Chat. Wood and Montgomery are pitching, but what this does is this doesn't push Chatwood out of the rotation. This pushes Montgomery out, doesn't it? That's what we're hoping. Montgomery to the bullpen. But what do you think the uh, result will be? Who's going to be yeah, in the bullpen? It, 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 it's a great question. You know, I've been here twenty four hours, and I don't know which direction they're going to go. I, you know, Fred and, and Murphy, but I've been on with you more, Fred, lately. My feeling on it they, that trying to fix, fix Chatwood while he's had to pitch every five days has been a disaster. That you cannot fix him that way. You could fix Hendricks. He needs to pitch every five days when he's struggling. In this case, I think Chatwood needs to sit down for a couple weeks. I don't care what you do, ten day DL bullpen, whatever, and work on him uh, on the on the side on on all this stuff. You can't get him to work on it while he has to pitch. So I think it's got to be Chatwood for a little bit. You can insert him back in as a six-man or switch him with Montgomery if he's showing progress. There's no doubt, and I've been all over the Montgomery thing for a while now. I've seen him at his at his strongest, and he's slowly but surely, you know, tired. He said last night he was strong. 
we'll see what is if he if he starts again how you know what 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 the next one is but I don't think both both are true. Chatwood needs a break, and Montgomery needs a break. But I think Chatwood's the more immediate concern. I think you can get by with Montgomery there for a little while. And then you give Montgomery a break as you head to the stretch run here because he's probably going to the bullpen for the playoffs, and that's where you need him at his strongest. So I, 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 I think you've got to sit down Chatwood. Last thing, Joe said this earlier about making a trade. The guy you trade for better be obviously better than what you have, hmm. or else the room's going to get upset. Hmm. So that should apply to Cole Hamels. It should also apply to Tyler Chatwood. If you're going to move Mike Montgomery out, then it better be obvious in that room that Chatwood deserves it over Montgomery and Hamels deserves it over both of them, whatever the case may be. So I think all of that is in play. But I think we'd all agree between Montgomery and Chatwood, take the length of the season, Montgomery deserves to stay over Chatwood, and in my mind, he needs to take some time to fix himself. Our guy Jesse Rogers on the road with the Cubs. He's in St. Louis. We got the Cub game on at, what, 3 p.m. today? Yeah, 2.30 pregame. Keep it right here. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Fred. Uh, ESPN 1000. All right, uh, quick follow-ups, Jesse, then we'll springboard. I know you're busy in a couple of areas. I'll go quick. I'll go quick, I promise. No, no, we're not even in the lightning round yet. Just, oh, okay. Just relax, <laughs> young man. Uh, okay. I talked to a, a longtime major league uh, insider scout not with the Cubs nor the White Sox neither uh, last night I said give me a quick thumbnail this is an unbiased guy on Cole Hamels right now he goes bing 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 he got three number one he says uh, well you know what Uh, he's better than a minor leaguer no not as serious number two he goes Every five starts, you can book it. You can go bet five, 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 five. Recently, every five starts, you'll get one very good, three so-so average, and one horse blank. So, okay, I guess that's a number three starter we decided, right, Fred? And his third comment was, okay, better than a minor leaguer, the five starts, and number three says he's damn near done. So, yeah. but I'm not criticizing his move. They had to do something, and they had no one to trade. So they had to roll the dice, and and like we were joking, uh, you know, it's a uh, beggars can't be choosers. But let's look at Mike Montgomery one more minute, fellas. Fred mm-hmm. let it there well, but I did a little uh, I, a little soliloquy, uh, a, a little filibuster a few minutes ago, hour ago, Jesse. I believe the thing that the biggest mistake that has tripped up Theo and the Cubs this year, well, number one, they have too many one-inning guys in the bullpen, but everyone does that, so I understand. But that's baseball's problem. One-inning guys, one-inning guys, one-inning guys, and pretty soon you burn the pen if you get back-to-back five-inning starts. Mm -hmm. uh, We'll be hold if you have a three- or four-inning start. Anyway, the biggest mistake was moving now work with me. Don't yell at me. Moving, Mar- moving Montgomery to the bullpen. Now they had no choice. I mean, Montgomery to the. St- I'm sorry. Starter. Thank you, Fred. Right to the rotation. Fred's, Fred's the only one listening to me. Thank goodness, Fred's listening. <laughs> no one else is. Oh, he's, filib- he's soliloquizing again. The biggest mistake was moving Montgomery to the rotation. I know. They had no choice. But here was the problem. It took that long man, we used to call it, the three-inning man, out of the bullpen. Twice a week, you could roll out Montgomery in the fifth, sixth, seventh, you know, the fourth and the fifth, the sixth, seventh, the eight and the third, into the eight and the third. But when they, they lost him in the bullpen, because they, again, 
They had no choice. I understand. Then you burned the bullpen over the last two months. Back in June, there should have been a, this is me, there should have been a concerted effort. I don't know how. I'm not the GM to find a starting pitcher because the wheels fell off beginning when Montgomery, God love him, was moved to the rotation. Okay, let me respond. First of all, I'm going to just say this, Murph. Don't yell at me back. When you say the wheels fell off, all they've done is go into first place and stay there. So let's not act like the wheels fell off and the team fell apart. Because, look, what he did early on as a starter, yes. it was much more important than having any sort of a long man. I mean, he won games for them, kept them in games, won games. So I get what you're saying, but you, they chose the, the, the lesser of two evils meaning let's strengthen the, the starting staff and, and we'll worry about the bullpen later. You are absolutely 100% right about the one-inning thing. You're right it's gone on around the league. That's why it, the result of all that is Tommy LaStella, Victor Caratini, Anthony Rizzo, and Ian Happ pitching. And every other team in the league is throwing position players at a record pace because they all employ these one-inning guys. Right. You're not wrong about your assessment, but I still think it was the right thing to do because it helped your team more than if Montgomery was in the middle of, yes. the, of the bullpen. Yeah, 100% right. As long as it doesn't hurt you now in August and September with the bullpen if it proves that they were too overworked without Montgomery out there. But you raise, as always, great points. Final couple of minutes, Jesse Rogers. Some uh, new Twitter polls for you. Vote right now at ESPN 1000. Who will have better numbers the final two months? David Bodie or Chris Bryant? Next, who has more? Who has improved their defense more? Ian Happ in center, Ian Happ at third, or Schwarber in left field, or C, both big time. Vote now at ESPN 1000. They're good ones. They're good ones. I stayed up till midnight, and I don't drink on Friday night, to, so I have a clear mind, to, so you approve, Jesse. Now, well, I, mean, I want to make yeah. one mention of Happ. Everybody was firing on Happ on social media last night. Look, maybe he didn't have the best game at third base. Right. But what they've asked him to do this year, and he want to talk about a guy, you know, we talk about stability and stuff. He's had none playing all over the place, mm-hmm. batting all over the place. And he's, and he's done pretty darn well since that early month. Yes. So I think he's played great at third up until yesterday. Let's give him a little bit of break. But um, just to go to your next other question, man, has David Bodie been impressive both at the plate and in the field at two positions? So mm-hmm. I might have to vote him. He's healthy, and you know he's probably going to get a lot of playing time with Brian out. Well, in fact, EO11, if you're there, let's bring in the, the results. Let's find out. This has been on the board for about two hours. What the fans say, Eric Ostrowski, uh, who will have better numbers for the final two months? Now, everyone, of course, every Cub fan's hoping it's Chris Bryant. Don't get me right, wrong. Right. Is it going to be David Bodie? You know, he's going to love a loft. He's a triple A. I know. It's, that's why it's an interesting question. What do fans say? Who will have the better final two months number-wise, Bodie or Bryant deal? 58% of the voters say Chris Bryant. But it's close. It is fairly yeah, close. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. close, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Very interesting. Yeah. I think I think yeah. when you when you see Brian in play with that shoulder for the last two months, you, mm. you, you you're kind of like mm, you're underwhelmed. So I can get that. I can get why it's kind of an even split there. Jesse, uh, without Darvish, I believe the Cubs will be toast. But without Hayward being the Hayward we saw before the All Star break, they're going to have a tough uh, way to go. Also, what has happened, Jason Hayward? 
Not the say hey kid. That was Willie Mays. The J hey kid. The last what week week and a half. His swings are terrible again. He's hitting little poop ball bleeder to left field for a hit. Two of his patented five-hop ground balls, and everybody strikes out against Hicks, so that's no big deal. But his swing looks back. I know Fred had some thoughts on this also. Jesse, uh, what's going on with the kid? That's a good question. I haven't followed it as closely as maybe even you're, you're talking about here, because when he goes the opposite field, I like it. Now, I don't care if it's a line shot or a bloop. At least he's he's going where it's pitched and mm-hmm. doing the right things with his swing. But, but you know, you may not be wrong. You may not be wrong. I don't, I don't have the numbers since the All-Star break. Maybe you guys do. It does feel like he's leveled off a little bit. I feel like when we talk about these other guys with the bigger injury problems and stuff, Hayward's kind of the least of their problems. But I know what you're saying. Without Bryant and the fact that Joe's going to put Hayward right there in the middle, you kind of need him to keep it going for the, for the, for the final two months. So I don't, I don't have an answer to that question. Maybe he's reverted back to some habits, but at least he is going oppo still. I do like that. Yeah, I think he's five for his last 28. He's got, he had one nice game. The first game after the break, he had three hits. He hasn't had more than one after that. But I was thinking... Well, five, five for 28 not, you know, not awful. No, it's not awful. But, you know, he, it also seems like maybe they're busting him inside more because he was getting his arms extended. And that's one of the things that was able, you know, he was able to go the other way. They were pitching him outside. Maybe they're pitching him inside and jamming him. And now he's not able to hit the ball as well. Well, that was definitely the pitch in the past that would crush him, an right. inside fastball. So if that's if that's gotten back to being his weakness, then that's a big problem. I, I got to watch him a little bit closer, but it's not a bad point. Jesse, great job as always, and you're always at PC. You always say, oh, I love St. Louis. It's a great town, right? I've never said that. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, they don't know where I am. so I, I, and I'm out of, This is our last trip, I think, right? Yeah, so I'm out of here after tomorrow night. So yeah, they can, I think they, can, they wrap up the season, the Cubs and Cardinals here. Well, so. I mean, there's only so many times you can go to the Arch, Murph. I mean, what else are you supposed to do, right? But I'm not claustrophobic. If I hear one more person, oh, I, I went up in the arch, I'm so claustrophobic. It's boring and it's stupid. But, you know, everyone does it once. I'll leave you with this, Jesse Rogers. Yep. All right. So after the game, my mother watches 81 Bulls games and 162 Cubs games. And I always call her after the game. And you know what she said uh, after when I called her right after the game? She goes, did they have to leave that pitcher Montgomery in so long? <laughs> 12 hits is a long time. I, 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 uh, I, they didn't have anybody up in the I know. Of the I, had, I tried to explain everything. But you know what? That's what the average casual fan says. And you know what? We know all the ramifications and the ins and outs, but it just doesn't look good. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, and he he and you could tell he was just throwing batting practice in that last uh, couple in, in those last in that whatever inning he was getting hit, fourth inning I think. Um, but yeah, you, what can you do? How many how many pitchers are you going to go short on to have to use that bullpen? It's crazy this year on that starting staff. Other than Lester and once in a while a Hendricks or once in a while Katana, it's, it's just been really rough. It is a surprise they're in first place with the way they've pitched uh, out of the rotation. Thank God for that offense, you know, sort of maturing in front of our eyes. And the interesting thing to me, at least, is this week they've 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 scored more than two runs once. That was in the comeback come from behind game. They've you know those four of the five yeah. games so far this week they've scored two runs or less. 
So, yeah, I said to Waddle and Sylvie, it was going to be a little bit of an up-and-down battle right now. Yeah. It's just you have to wait till you get back home. The Padres are in town. You get the Mets coming up. You got the Tigers. August will be a little, yeah. yeah, August will be a little bit better, but then you don't have many off days down the stretch there. So, it, look, I never said it, this division was over. Other people are saying, you know, uh, shot or no shot, they're going to win by <laughs> seven and a half games. And I absolutely did not think that. Moustakis is now in Milwaukee. They cut the lead last night. I think it's going to be a great race. If the Cubs lose out, then then they've blown a great opportunity. But uh, this thing is not over by any means in my mind. Great job, Jesse. Uh, your assignment for next Saturday. If the wheels fall off Darvish and not, and he doesn't he can't pitch this year, is now this is next week. You got a whole week to work on it. Don't laugh. Would there be a chance with his pride from his culture uh, in his back that he would retire? And at the end of this year, go back to Japan and pitch there and give all the give the hundred hundred million, hundred five million dollars back. We'll work on that next week, okay? He's a very it, he's a very That's... proud man. He doesn't want to have the fans, you know, down on him. He's letting everybody down. Just throwing that out there. Let me tell you something. Fred would care could care less if you boo him for a hundred million. He'd be booed all the way to that's to right. The, boo me all you the way. I get booed every Saturday. What are you talking about? Right. All the for way nothing. Back. That's right. For nothing. You're right. <laughs> He'd be all the way back to Maywood looking for Sportsman's Park. Exactly. <laughs> to Thank, buy it. Thanks. All right, guys. See you, Jesse. See you, Jesse. Yeah. Jesse Rogers. I know we're running late. Murph and Fred vote right now at uh, at ESPN one thousand. And the ESPN Halfway home, hour and a half in the can, not up Fred's can. Hour and a half more to go. Murph and Fred, beautiful day. Glad you're with us. So uh, I think we've covered everything for now on the Cubs beat. We do have Mark Gonzalez, Gonzo, Cubs Tribune beat guy. He'll be checking in with us, phoning in from St. Louis around uh, 27 minutes from now. Fred, uh, I know you got a yellow pen. I got one thing first, okay? I'm just yep. Okay, so a lot of uh, brouhaha, <laughs> not brewers, haha, uh-huh. <laughs> this week about uh, if a ball gets into the stands uh, and an adult captures the ball, yeah. you know uh, what's he supposed to do with said ball? It went on and on. It was interesting, you know. It was a topic, whatever. Okay. Now, one of our on-air guys, and I don't even remember who it is, otherwise, it's, here was the statement. You, this was three always. Always, always. This is, okay, the quote. You always, always, always give the ball to a kid. Okay? Uh-huh. Always, always, always give the ball to a kid. All right, fine. <clears throat> now, Fred, when you were a kid at roving around Comiskey Park. Right. How many uh, balls did uh, an adult hand you? None. Yeah, none. Me too. Never. Never. No. You want a ball? Catch a ball. Right. Yeah. Uh, EO 11, I don't know uh, exactly, you know, when it changed. And, you know, may, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just interesting how culture changes. That's what I'm saying. Well, I'm saying you know. it's wrong, but when I get a chance, I'll tell you why. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, EO 11, uh, when you were a kid, uh, you went to some uh, big league games, did you? Absolutely. Uh, like how, a bunch of games. How many, great. How many uh, times did it, uh, an adult hand you a ball? 
I have never gotten a Major League Baseball, period. So <laughs> none. Zero. All right. If you got one now, what would you do with it? I, I probably would abide by the rule because ah. I'd have no... I mean, it's a baseball to me, so I, w- I would look to give it to somebody okay. who would appreciate it more. Though you've never had one. It might be sort of cool. I mean, at a certain age, all I would think about, you know, when I was 10, 12, 15, 12, you know, I want a ball. But uh, then you get... So at what age does it swing where you're no longer allowed to keep the ball? 10, 20, 25, 18... Fred? I'm, it's got to be 30 or up. So if Maybe you're 29, you, you get to keep, keep the ball. Yeah. All right. Eric? I said that's fair. I'd even go maybe like 25 <laughs> after college. You, you'll maybe be a little bit more sober at the game, and uh-huh. you'll have less excitement for the baseball. Well, I mean, here's, here's my question, though. Most people that are at a game, they're either at a game with a relative or a wife or a girlfriend or something like that. And if they're not, they have a wife or a girlfriend or a niece or a nephew or a cousin or a somebody that would love to get a baseball from, you know. So why give it to some kid that you don't have any idea with that just happens to be sitting near you? Why don't you bring the ball home and give it to somebody? If, if Sylvie's at a game with the guys and he catches a ball, do you think he's going to give the ball to a kid or bring it home to his son? You always, always, maybe always. He, maybe he would give it to his son, but I mean. Give the ball to a kid. I, maybe he'd give it to his son, but I'm sorry. I'm I'm going to bring it home and give it to my wife or give it to my nephew or give it to my niece, you know, somebody that would appreciate it. I don't know. I never had a ball. I didn't either. Till I was about 14. I was at Wrigley Field. No one out there, which was par for the course back then. Right. I'm sitting in what they used to call the grandstands front row. Now it's called Terrace Reserve. You know, right behind the box seat aisle. Yeah. You know. And uh, not behind a pillar, were you? Because I'm, I'm usually no, behind a pillar. No, I went to a Sox Cubs game. Yeah. I was behind a pillar. I That's couldn't no see good No, front row. I felt like I was watching tennis. Had to slide over each and every pitch. So, over time, I had been—I'll use this word—steamrolled at Wrigley Field by big kids. Heck yeah, and maybe adults uh-huh. going for a ball. Boom! Just blindsided, just like you know, body blocked. Okay, go flying, right? So, I'm about fourteen. There's a the Mets are in town. There's a long, lazy foul ball by the third string catcher for the Mets. I'll never forget his name because it turned out to be my first baseball, Johnny Stevenson. Okay, all right, S T E P H E N S O N. So I'm right behind in line with the first base bag, and I'm in the front row behind where the box seats end, the first row of the grandstand terrace reserve. There's a long, arcing, arching foul ball, like sort of down uh, behind the uh, first base right field. And the ball, and I, so I take off. I'm sitting on an aisle. I'm in the front row. There's no one there. Boom. But I got to run about 40, 50 feet towards like the right field foul pole yeah. on the long aisle, right? And I'm running, and I'm getting close, and the ball, boing, boing, the ball is still boing, staying in the aisle, and just rolling. And, I'm rolling. and this is like when before I'd been just body blocked, right? Like butt kiss or... Earl Acker right. had hit me. I run down. I pick it up. I got the ball, and there's two big guys. They're about five steps. But I just kept running. They couldn't catch me. They uh-huh. were. They were. So I finally got a ball. Yep. No adult ever gave me a ball. Then I'm about sixteen, seventeen. I'm out in the left field bleachers, and a fly ball comes to me from a Cubs 
extra utility man named Jose Arcia. Uh-huh. He, Leo hated him. He hated rookies. Some he might have been the first Arcia in baseball. He might have been. But now there's a bunch. So long arching, and it comes down like a feather on a parachute, the ball, and right by the what they call the curve of the well, still there, yep. comes down like a feather right in my hands, two hands. I got it. Jose Arcia. That was my second ball. I mean, you never forget it when you earn uh-huh. it. See, when you earn it and get it yourself. Right. Then, about a, maybe a year later, Willie Stargell. Opposite field, wind blown out. It's a flat pop-up to the left fielder. Carries, carries, carries. Same spot, boom. Yeah, Willie wasn't hands. known for going the other way usually. No, he was fooled. Yeah. He had 474 home runs, I believe. Jose Arcia won in his career. So I caught two home run balls from guys that totaled 475, 476 home runs. The point is, I got him, I caught him, I earned him. But that was a different era. So now, if you don't give the ball to a kid, maybe I still was young enough at age 70, but no one did it back then. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. No one ever used to give a ball away. Like it said, Fred, they'd take it home. They'd give it to, you know, a family member, maybe the kid next door, someone they knew, right? I mean, let's go to uh, Ryan. Says he's in California. Maybe he's on California (laughs) Avenue over here. 2600 West. Hello, Ryan. Uh, Hey, guys. How you doing? Hold on. My phone's stop here. Uh, Hello? Yep. All right, guys. Yeah, no, I'm, you know, I'm from Chicago. I just moved out to Simi Valley, California. Uh, I went to a game about 10 years ago in uh, Dodger Stadium. I caught a foul ball with my mitt, and you know, a kid came over from 10, you know, 10 steps down in a section over with 10 bucks trying to buy it from me. I said, hey, listen, man, I've been coming to baseball for 30 years. This one's mine. He offered you money? He offered you money for it, too. That's interesting. Yeah, their dad probably sent him down with cash. <laughs> oh, they probably knew probably, you were yeah, working yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in Simi Valley. Chance, so there's, a, there's a guy, he'll take 10 bucks right now. He's loaded, but here. They're they're, all, I can't believe he offered you money for the ball. Ryan, you should have just told him for an extra 10 and go buy one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, I just want to share that with you guys. I love listening to you. And I just, like I say, I moved out here. Uh, in April, and I, uh, I I listened to ESPN Chicago all the time with uh, everybody. God love you. We yes, appreciate guys. it, Ryan. Thank you very much. How about Jesse the other day? I mean, that was quite the moment. Um, you know, two years ago, I was, in, I was in San Diego, and I was in the stands for two seconds, I swear to God, and a foul ball came to me famously, and I didn't catch it, and I hurt my hand, and the cameras caught that whole thing. So I've been very cognizant of not getting in front of the cameras. But here we are. My son and my family's at the, uh, in San Francisco. We're going to Alcatraz in an hour. So my son wants to walk the park. And, you know, I rarely walk the park, any park, but AT&T is so cool. We're going to make our way over to McCovey Cove over there. And um, we, we go to center field. Now, in center field, at field level, there's like a beer garden there, okay, behind the center field wall at AT&T Park. You can't see the game. This is what baseball has evolved into. You can't watch the game other than these slits in the center field wall. There's just, you can look through the wall. Uh, and then there's TVs back there, obviously. But no one's really paying attention to the game. But my son and I and my daughter are looking through the, the, the holes watching the game, and there's a net above you. Now, up until uh, the first five days the park was open, I, I was told there was no net. So people were hitting home runs there, and getting, you know they were hitting fans that weren't paying attention to the game. It was crazy. So I put this net there, and my son says to me, if there's a home run hit, 
the, the, the ball will roll down the net to right where we're standing. Not five seconds later, Chris That's Bryant hits that crazy. home run. I mean, it's nuts, Jess. It's nuts. Goes in the net. A couple people notice it there, and they start, like, you know, trying to grab it from the net. But I'm standing at the bottom of the net, you know, near the wall. If you could picture it, that it rolls down the net right into my hand. Now, thank you. Cut the tape. All right. Does that count as actually procuring and going after and uh, securing yeah, a ball counts. on your own? It rolled right down into his hands. It was a Chris Bryant homer. It counts. The other thing is, <laughs> there, you know, if you if you get a ball and there's a kid sitting there and you feel like you should, you want to give the kid the ball, give the kid the ball. Yeah. You know the kids that don't deserve the ball? The kids that are begging for the ball. Oh, I hate that. At the end of every half inning, and again, parents, go ahead and call me all you want. But they got the big screen now. How do they still do they it? They flip them up over the screen. At the end of every half inning, all these kids run it. to the row yeah. wanting a ball. You know, if you yeah. want a ball, catch a foul ball. Yeah. Catch it. Don't go earn get it. a ball flipped. Earn you got to earn it. It means so much more. You know what they look like? A nest full of baby just born robins with their Bill, I, I, I'm waiting for Ma to put a, a worm in their mouth. Well, That's saying, what they look like. I was oh, saying koi. Give me a worm, Ma. Koi coming to the koi fish, coming to the top of the water. Looking, <laughs> That's what they look like, running down there, getting in the way of everybody that's in the aisle, wanting to go up to go to the bathroom or something to the end of a half inning. Every, all these kids running. <sighs> Cubs beat reporter. What's up, Mike? Can that was it? Gonzalez will phone us from St. Louis in a few minutes. Vote right now. Here's our two current Twitter poll questions. Vote right now. Uh, number one: Sox fans. Carlos Rodon will be a number one ace, a solid number two, a professional number three, or a serviceable number four, and number two. Who has had the better year, Rick Hahn or Theo Epstein? Vote right now. Your results coming up. Vote at ESPN 1000. One, two, three. Welcome back. ESPN 1000, Murph and Fred. About 10 minutes away from more Cubs talk. If you missed a little, you missed a lot earlier. Mark Gonzalez will join us. Cubs beat guy in St. Louis. Uh, let's get the results of our current uh, Twitter poll question. Bring it in. Eric Ostrowski. All right, uh, Eric, let's see what we're working on right here. All right, Sox fans. Carlos Rodon, he's going to be A, B, C, or D. A number one, a number two, a number three, or a number four. Fred, uh, he's on a pretty good run right now, isn't he? I think he's going to be, a, it's going to be a one or a two. Yeah. He was number three pick in the draft. Mm -hmm. He seems like he's figured it out. If he can stay healthy, I have visions of him being a number one. Yeah. But, you know, maybe a number two, but no lower than that. Uh, that's what I think will be a one or a two. He's had three quality starts in a row. Well, here it is, his last three starts. Yeah. He's at 21 innings, 10 hits, 4 runs, 11 walks a little high, 21 strikeouts. He's got an ERA of 171 over his last three outings. Well, the strikeouts are 2-1, to one, 21 to 11. It's almost 2-1. to one. That's still okay. Three. As an aside, parenthetical expression. Remember when quality starts used to be laughed at and ridiculed yeah. when that stat first came out? Quality start. Six innings or more, three or fewer, not less. Three earned runs. Uh, here's what it would be. That's a 4.50 ERA. 
In other words, six innings, you can do this in your head. Three earned runs, that would extrapolate to nine innings, 4.50. 4.50 ERA, six innings, and three runs. That's terrible. You know what, now? Every team out there it. would die to have yeah. quality start they'd kill time for after because, time. Because they'd love to have their pitcher go six innings. Yes. Yeah. What the fans, That's not happening. What the fans say, did they, uh, where, where'd they put them, the all Evan? Uh, a one, a two, a three, or a four? All right, we'll start at the bottom. 8% saying that he'll be an ace and number one. 17% saying he'll be a serviceable number four. Hmm. 32% saying he'll be a professional number three, and the majority with 43% saying a solid number two. All right, I, I think that's a fair uh, vote. Yeah, that'd be okay. You still got to find your number one then. You know, there's going to be some skeptics or Cub fans voting on that serviceable number four, and that would be a huge disappointment. But if the arm stays healthy, and Fred, you did qualify by saying, you know, if healthy, I mean, he's got a chance to be a solid number two without a, a doubt. Slider. Without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, he's, he's, he's looked really, really good. Hopefully he looks good throughout the rest of the uh, mm-hmm. rest of the season. Now, those, are, those are the only things White Sox fans have to look forward to. You look at Ronaldo Lopez. He got lit uh, up yesterday early. A couple homers? of bad umpire calls. Uh, Terrible. Not, not that they prevented the home runs. That check swing call? Oh, the check swing call in the first inning got, with the double play. That got a Renteria launched. Yeah, strike him out, throw him out. Then And then at the end, when the ball goes in the dirt and it's C.B. Buckner actually catches it in his, in his arm. arm, he drops it. Yeah. And then he says, oh, no, it was the ball's dead. Runner scores. What do you mean runner scores? He should be fired for that call. That was absolutely terrible. So, again, they didn't, they didn't lose the game because of that. But the one thing about the White Sox last night is if you did stay to the end of the game, more power to you. But I watched the end of the game, and Matt Davidson came in and pitched again. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, got guys out. He pitched in, you know, coming up as a youngster, he was a pitcher uh, and a hitter. Well, you know what? He should stop the hitting and just pitch. He's got a 220 um, average, uh, um, three tw- was it, 328 um, on base, and his slugging was 440. He's got 15 homers and 39 RBIs. I'd rather see him come out of the bullpen than see him at the plate right now. It's, it's his, all of his all of his power was early in the year. Seven homers against the Royals. He had four in the first three games. Yeah, or? it's it's yeah. you know what? If he can pitch, he says mm-hmm. he wants to look at this seriously. Good, make him one of your guys out of the bullpen next year. There's, I don't want to see him at the mount, at the plate anymore. E eleven. Uh, before you run to the phone screening uh, there, which is uh, you're doing a terrific job. Can we get the results of our? Next Twitter pulse, which was, who has had the better year? I've been dying to, I can't wait to hear the results to this. Who's had the better year this year? Rick Hahn or Theo Epstein? Now, this is, this is a tricky little question. Thank you. That was the point. The goal is to make it where you have to think. I don't even know who, you, who I would vote for here, Fred. Uh, I, I think they both had years that they would not like to remember after they retire years from that. Oh, boy. I don't want to think about 2018. I think the trade that they made the other day for Soria was that can actually be a good deal for oh, the White Sox. Yeah, they got a heck of a pitcher. Yeah, this kid Cody Madera is pretty good. Lost in the good. shuffle with Milwaukee, but yeah. number one pick about, what, three, four years ago? Yeah. A lefty, if I'm not mistaken. Right, lefty grew up in Hawaii, and uh, mm-hmm. so I don't know. It, 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 that's a toss-up almost. What the fans say, you eleven? Fans, uh, not as close as you guys think. Fans say sixty-one percent. Theo has had the better season. How? Well, that's that's totally expected because surveys show that about uh, Chicago's about sixty forty, 
Cubs fans, Sox right. fans. So as a straight, so you just voted right, right down party line, straight up and down, uh-huh. straight up and down, which is fine, which is fine. We always have to sometimes uh, just remind everyone on this type of. I was going to put C, you know, both or neither. Neither's had what they would, uh, you know, want to call a uh, a good year. No, not necessarily. No. Uh-huh. I mean, Theo's had a, a disaster. Well, you get it, pick up Chatwood and, and Darvish, and they don't do anything for you. You know, uh, makes it tough. All right. Tell you what, turn the page on hour number two. A few minutes away from the Cubs beat. Gonzo said he'd give us a call. Cubs beat reporter Mark Gonzalez from St. Louis. And uh, here's our next uh, round of uh, Twitter polls. Vote right now. Who has improved the most defensively? Is your Ian Happ, Kyle Schwerber, or both? Big time. And the Cubs still need A, B, C, or D. Another starting pitcher, more bullpen arms. Both or neither, they're all set. Vote now. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred, till noon every Saturday. It's ESPN 1000. Welcome back. Hour number three, Murph and Fred. Saturdays, 9 till noon. One minute away from Mark Gonzalez, Cubs beat reporter, Tribune guy. He's in St. Louis. He's trying to keep a safe distance away, I'm sure, from Jesse Rogers. Your last chance to vote right now on our current Twitter poll questions. Who has improved more defensively this year? Would it be Ian Happ? You know, center field, third base. Would it be Kyle Schwarber in left field? Or both, big time. Uh, and uh, next would be Cubs still need A, starting one more starting pitcher. B, bullpen arm or arms. Uh, C, they need both. D, they need neither. They're all set. Am I going down to St. Louis, Fred, or just... Uh, See, I, I'm like you guys. I like St. Louis. You do? Yeah. When I'm leaving, no, I don't mind it at all. Let's go down to St. Louis. He said he'd give us a call. It's uh, Gonzo Mark Gonzalez from the Tribune. Hello, Mark. Both here and Fred alongside. Good morning. How you guys doing? We're doing great. Thanks for taking a minute out of your busy, busy day. Neither of us have a shoulder problem. Yeah. Uh, we we can both throw on the sideline in front of the studio. We yeah. can do all those things. I just jotted down <laughs> 10 notes and my elbow it was killing me. Then the 11th through the 23rd note, I run my elbow was fine. Ay, ay, ay. Where do we start? How's your spin rate? How's your spin rate? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. I sink my fastball. That's all I care about. <laughs> All right, Mark, uh, always great following you and always great catching up with you for a few minutes. Thank you for your time, as always. So uh, yesterday, uh, you, Darvish, and I believe without Darvish, the Cubs are toast, at least in the uh, postseason, maybe sooner. But every it's confusing. You know, I'll just let you tell us. what And what you know might be different from what someone else knows. And who knows? Because uh, the translator, where do we stand? Ten hurt his elbow, then the, he changed something, 11th pitch on, we're fine. You know, I thought if you have a bad elbow, it hurts no matter how you throw it, but what do I know? I'm just a guy on the radio. Mark, what do you think? Uh, wasn't there a full moon out last night? <laughs> there was, was uh, actually. This thing was, uh, it, it was pretty bizarre, bizarre just yeah. hearing the, the, the way things turned about. 
Uh, I always felt if you have a pain in your elbow, you raise the red flag, you shut it down, and all of a sudden he feels better because he adjusted the uh, the arm arm motion when he was reaching back to throw. I, uh, oh. I've never heard that one before. And I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that sure. it felt better because I think had it felt that that bad, they just would have shut him down immediately. So uh, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say it's an encouraging sign that he did resume throwing and felt great. So uh, if the tone of his voice made it sound as if uh, he's moving forward, which is a good sign because his body language uh, is, is pretty easy to read. And in this case, um, this is one of the few times I've seen him upbeat. Hmm. Interesting. Well, well that's good. Uh, there were some confusing reports, uh, broadcast reports, about a half hour after the game, uh, one was, uh, I think, attributed to uh, one of your feeds. And uh, it seemed to sound like the report was that after, uh, you know, the uh, conference or the presser with Darvish, uh, that there was the intimation that he had proclaimed that uh, he'll be off the DL by next weekend. But uh, that might have been second, third hand passed around. How did you hear that? No way, because I asked him directly. I said, are you ready to go out and face hitters in a simulated game, or do you need another bullpen uh, session? And he almost answered the question before I finished finished it, saying I need another bullpen session. So um, you can you can uh, hold your bets on that one. He isn't coming back before else before next weekend for sure. What would you think the earliest he could come back is? I mean, obviously, there's no everything's a guess because we don't know if the next time he throws if he's going to have pain again. Hmm. To me, to me, we're starting spring training all over again. I can't see him returning uh, before the last week of August. He needs to, to build strength and also show the ability to rebound from each, each outing. So having said that, I can't see him returning sooner than, than five weeks from now. Even if, uh, you know, he is healthy, and that's, uh, you know, what, why I have my what-if, Bell. You know, what if he's healthy now? He still needs another bullpen. That's three or four days. Then he'll do a simulated game, a sim game. That's another maybe four days. That's eight. Then a minimum of two minor league uh, rehab starts. So that's another four, five, ten, eighteen, then five more. So you're looking at at least 20 to 30, 25 days, even if everything's perfect. I'm just sort of off the top of my head. Is that about what you're, you're saying? Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. And, you know, the only exception would be if, ring the bell. Okay, if, what if? What if <laughs> if uh, they say, hey, five innings is enough, which would drive me nuts because I'm tired of seeing these, you know, mm. these five and dive outings. Mm. Uh, but given all the surplus of relievers and the assumption is that some of these guys are coming back, you could roll the dice and do that. But I think in a perfect scenario, they'd want, you know, three. Uh, rehab starts and then uh, have assurances that he can get up to, you know, 80 to 90 pitches. Yeah, that's about Labor Day then, uh, or maybe September 1 again, if everything works out right. Visiting for a few quick minutes, very appreciative of his personal time. Check Mark Gonzalez out, Tribune, Cubs beat guy. So then uh, I'm looking ahead here. I have a thing where I sort of keep a little uh, scratch pad for the whole year, tracking the starting pitcher of the day, how many days rest, who's coming up, off days. Gets sort of interesting here. I'm sure Mark's done the same thing and, and Fred. So let's see now. You're, you're looking at uh, today is, uh, let's see, today's Quintana. 
uh, on normal uh, on extra day five. Tomorrow will be Hendrix on normal day four. Here's where it gets interesting, fellas. Off day Monday, Mark. Then you can they'll bring back. I'm guessing Lester game uh, game one in Pittsburgh on five days. That's an extra day. Then it looks like that's where Hamels Wednesday in uh, Pittsburgh before they come back home on Thursday for four with San Diego. So are we? You're sort of targeting. Are they perhaps I should say targeting? Do you think Hamels Wednesday uh, in Pittsburgh? I, I really have no idea. I, I would think that maybe he comes back on Tuesday, but mm-hmm. um, it's been so so goofy at this point. You know, it, they did rule out any concern about having you know all these lefties in the rotation. You know, Joe sure. Harkins back to the, the early '90s with Abbott, uh, Finley, and, and Mark Langston. I remember the Giants in the 1979 had had four lefties in their rotation, but. Um, I have a hard read on on the Hamill situation because I thought he might be coming back sooner to pitch because these guys are like uh, they're just creatures of habit. They like staying in a routine, and, and you all know that Hamels and Lester don't like six man uh, staff. So they aim for two hundred innings, but uh, at, at this point, maybe they're just hoping to get quality out of him and pushing him back a little more. Maybe working on a few things. So you know your your script. That, that has them thrown Wednesday, I don't think it's far-fetched. I think it's, it's realistic, but stranger things have happened. Uh, sure. we're, sure. we're talking about Darvish. Uh, how concerned uh, should Cub fans be about Chris Bryant? I mean, the, they have a game-and-a-half lead right now. Bryant has has hit, what, two homers in the last two months. Uh, he he had the cortisone shot. How concerned should they be about the shoulder? Uh, it's, it's, it's a tough call because they should be concerned, but they also got to be patient. And mm-hmm. uh, Chris was really uh, went on the offense, and we asked him about, "Hey, when you come back, uh, can you actually come back to your normal levels before the injury surface?" He said, "Absolutely." And he sounded pretty confident and determined. And it was almost like, "Hey, wait a sec, I am a, a hitter who hits for power. I'm not just a, a singles hitter anymore." So, you know, having said all that, once again, it goes back to patience. And I, I agree with what Jesse said an hour ago that. He's going to be out a little longer than than the last time when he missed 16 games. Mark, they say they are not looking at a six-man, and with there's a day off each of the next three weeks, so we can probably assume they uh, indeed will not go six-man. That means either, and this is easy arithmetic even for me, that either uh, Montgomery or Chatwood will be pushed out of the rotation uh, by the acquisition of Cole Hamels. Any idea yet which uh, way or what, what would you think might be the way to go? Well, I'd probably argue with you for for hours. Uh, uh-huh. I still think they should go keep keep Montgomery in the rotation hmm. and have Chatwood go to the, the bullpen. And the reason being, Montgomery's more of a sure thing that's going to give you at least five six innings and, and not throw eight hundred pitches. Um, I know he hasn't pitched well lately, but he gives you the best chance. And I think we've waited yeah. so long for Chatwood to turn the corner. It hasn't happened. Uh, you, you stick him in the bullpen. You give him more time to work with. Jim Hickey, Lester Strode on some things. And, you know, he can also piggyback Montgomery. Uh, if Montgomery goes goes forward and gets slapped around like he did, you know, last night, just, you know, giving up line drive after line drive, I just think it would reach the point with Chatwood where you just you tap the brakes and say, hey, 
there's got to be a better way. We'll, we'll work them in long relief. You know, if you're going to use them in long relief, you're losing anyway. So, you know, True. you put them in a low low leverage situation, he's got a chance to succeed. Well, and that's one of the things I was thinking about, too, is maybe every time, you know, you go with a Chatwood start and Montgomery's there as the guy coming in for him or vice versa, and that's pretty much what you're saying, and you almost schedule it that way. You know, not a bullpen game, but a Chatwood-Montgomery game. Yeah, it's almost like having a, a simulated game on a, on a, that means something. Right. But, you know, in this in this situation, this part of the season, you're always looking to maximize opportunities and get the best the best matchup possible, rather than structuring your rotation throughout the whole the whole year and being firm on it. Because you have off days to play with, and they have like I think they have three in the next 17 days, yep. so they can really manipulate things quite a bit. Let's slide one quick call in for our guest in St. Louis from the Tribune, Mark Gonzalez. Uh, Nick, Carol Stream, you're on with Mark Gonzalez. Go, Nick, go. Gentlemen, how you doing today? Good. All Good, right, Nick. really quick. What will be more of, you Darvish starts or Jake Arrieta wins? They're both at eight right now. Go. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Eight, eight, so Darvish has eight starts and Arietta's got eight wins, huh? <laughs> wow, that's a good one. I, I'm going to go with Arietta. Yeah, because he's actually out there, and uh, you know maybe something will happen there. They're picking up some more players as they're going on their pet, their their playoff run. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. Hoskins is uh, hot again. Could you imagine the Cubs meeting the Phillies, fellas, in the postseason at Wrigley Field, and Ariad is on the bump, and uh, he's facing, and Darvish is on the bump. All oh, the fans will go berserk. And you got John Maley, the, the hitting coach, oh. who was fired in the dugout as well. Very good. Very good. Yeah, well, you know what? That home run derby seemed to help Hoskins. He's been nothing but red hot ever since. <laughs> that home run derby. Uh, Schwarber, not as hot, but uh, and Javi hit another one yesterday, so interesting. <laughs> last last thing, Mark, uh, since you brought up the hitting coaches, uh, Jason Hayward's hit a little bump in the road, a little slump uh, since the All-Star break. Uh, it looks to me like, well, he's getting tied up. He's hitting those little poop balls again. Is it just a two- or three-day slump? Or Fred said maybe the league's, uh, you know, pitching maybe they're him pitching in him inside was, you know, not letting him get his arms extended for the last week or so. I think it's a little of both. Uh, I, I, I always liked him when he hits the opposite side of the field. But yep. the big thing was early, he was hitting the ball with authority. And I think now, alluding to what you said, Fred, uh, they're, they're pounding him inside a little more, and he's got to adjust to that. My my bigger issue now, and, and this happened recently, Almora is like, oh, for his last eight. And I think more, uh, uh, more concern is he's not striking out, but once again, he's hitting pitcher's pitches. Yeah, and not working the counts the way they wanted him to when he was coming up through the minors. And I think once he gets back to that, he'll be productive again. But in the two spot, you know, you want a guy that can make contact, move the ball around, but you want to do it on your terms, not the pitcher's terms. In fact, I believe I have this right: zero walks for the Cubs uh, hitters yesterday. One of the uh, few times they've done that under Joe and the and Chili Davis. Of course, if the pitchers are throwing strikes, you know you can't walk. I understand that, but you don't want them, Mark, to get away from what they've been doing. Uh, is what you're saying too, right? Right, absolutely, without a doubt. Uh, I mean, it was working so well the last two months, and I know you're going to have some speed bumps, so. Uh, and- be a good time for them to kind of write the ship. 
Great job. And uh, if, when you get a foul ball up there in the uh, in the booth, uh, up in the press box, you he, gives run, it, he gives it to Jesse. You run over and give it to a kid. You give it to Jesse, right? I call for a fair catch, and then I give it to a fan. <laughs> or you can do it like Harry. Just throw the hat and the ball and everything out to the crowd. I love it. Yeah, Mark's been around a while. He's got, he, <laughs> you, you, how many balls have you got in the press box around since Not you've been covering baseball? <laughs> I've had maybe four or five, but I've also had a couple of computers struck by foul yeah. balls. So yeah. I'm glad they kicked the brunt, not me. Well, yeah, Mark's a veteran. He ducks out of the way and lets someone else break their finger trying to catch it up there. <laughs> hey, Mark, uh, thanks for your time. We always love the uh, visits uh, when you uh, join us. And uh, now get back to work. I know you're the busiest guy in town. Well, you and Jesse, I have to say that, too. Thanks a and lot. you're contractually obligated to say that. Yeah. Thanks, Marcus. <laughs> And there's not much to do in this town either. <laughs> you got that right. See, see Thanks, later. Mark. Mark Gonzalez, <laughs> Tribune, three three two three seven seven six. Yeah, I got I got friends living down in St. Louis. Yeah. they find stuff to do. I guess right. I don't know. That's yeah, all right. Yeah, the girl I used to work with is on, on the yeah. on the air. I guess now she's a woman. Okay, used to be a girl. Now she's a woman. I wonder if they still wear those white, uh, like plastic uh, belts and the uh, white uh, patent leather uh, shoes. Well, remember, men. there used to be a guy here on TV that used to do that. Really, Dwayne Dow. Remember <laughs> Dwayne Dow? I do. He did sports. He would wear the white belts and the white patent leather shoes. Yeah. yeah. So three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six. And as I've said for the last five, six years. Jean shorts are coming back for guys. Jorts? They're all over the place. You uh -huh. go to any store. You go to Kohl's. You go to any of those stores. Now, obviously, you may not find them in some of the stores. I saw a couple guys in front of me, and they were in their 20s wearing jean shorts the other day. So don't go telling me as the old man that I can't wear jean shorts. Uh, Fred, uh, Doug Glanville was on the uh, ESPN 1000 Airwaves uh, the other day. And I like him. He's a good guy. They got him all over the place. I he's mean, everywhere. He's, he's standing in the dugout uh, doing a report while the game's going on. They got him everywhere. He's trying to drive over to... NBC Sports Chicago uh, from Wrigley Field before you know after the game. Yep. He's the busiest guy in town. Now, he was on yesterday at 10.08. All right? Mr. Little Miss Lamb listening, and uh, he said something that you're not going to like. Okay. I'll set it up just a little bit. He talks about how managers, specifically Joe Madden, are very important and they help win games. Oh, yeah. I don't. I, I thought he was a Penn graduate. I thought he knew what he was talking about. <laughs> I know you and I. I really bring this up because you've been steadfast since I've known you for about ninety years. And I'll, I'll never change. <laughs> but let's eavesdrop. as Harry used to say, it's impossible to change. Let's eavesdrop on Doug Glanville. He was on the uh, Cap and uh, Company show, and uh, he's going to sort of delineate if you will, you know, how Joe Madden is important and uh, how he does help win games. The Cubs have a, always had a big advantage under Joe Madden because he mixes and matches. He does. A, he's very comfortable with it. He starts early in the season by making sure everybody gets at bats. And why is that important? Because when you play in September or late in the season, you're not putting a guy out there that's not been tested, not been in situation. Everybody on that roster has played in scenarios and situations and started. Uh, and that, and that's a big advantage going forward because every, these players are comfortable in different situations, different parts of the lineups, and even different positions on the field. Doug Glanville. I'll explain to you why he does that. Because he has quality players that his front office has given him. Uh -huh. Other play, other 
managers don't have the trust or the quality of players to put out there on a rotating basis, like half and left, half at third, half at second base. They don't have that. It's not like Joe taught these guys to play these positions. They come up, and all of a sudden, that's where they're thrust into. Uh, they have the bats, and they want to have these guys up here. Um, any manager would do what Joe Madden's doing. Again, just my opinion. When you've got all these guys, you're not going to leave Hapsit on the bench. You're not going to leave Zobrist in there. He's a 36-year-old guy. He can't play, so you've got to make those changes. So you have to rotate the guys. For the longest time, he didn't have Almora in center field because he didn't like the way he hit against righties. So Hap had to go on out and play center field. I mean, it just you only have four guys you rotate. It's not like you're rotating half your team. That's why I found it so, I don't know what the word is, so peculiar, so dumbfounding confounding uh, that so many uh, fans, Cub fans, all fans, were suggesting, well, you know, for DeGrom, Jacob DeGrom, all you got to do is offer them, uh, you know, two of these three or three, Schwarber or, and or uh, Russell, uh, Hap, you know, give them anything you want. The guy's the best. Pe- yes, the guy is. He's the best pitcher in baseball. But then all of a sudden. Uh, I said National you- League. Well, not, maybe not even nationally. Uh, Verlander's. Yeah, okay. Schwarber. I Close. mean, uh, Schwarzer. Yeah. yeah. Schwarzer. Max. Uh, Scherzer. Scherzer. I know. It. I do the same thing. Yeah. But get that W out of there. Uh, one of the top two, three, four yeah. pitchers in the yeah. game. You got to get him, Murph. Well, yeah. But then, sure. Now you got him uh, twice in the. You got game uh, maybe one and game uh, five or game one and four rather. You got Lester game two and five. You know everything's looking rosy, but. You gotta have the, the, those, you can't, in fact, that topic was brought up around, uh, uh, Jordan Carnett brought this up the other day, Fred, and, uh, it was an interesting conversation. Let's see if we can, uh, uh, pull this up here. Oh yeah, here I have it. This, uh, oh, we was talk, we were talking with Dan Plezak and asked him this question, you know, basically, will you back up the truck, couple of these big-name guys for DeGrom? Uh, and, and the answer, it's a little uh, lengthy here, but I think when Dan Plezak uh, talks, uh, uh, you want to listen. Is there any world that you live in where you would consider a Baez or a Contreras for DeGrom uh, and think that could push you over the top? I, for one, would be against it, but I'm curious if you see any any potential with something like that. You know, it, it depends on, Jordan, where you're at as an organization and where you're thinking. What kind of depth do you have? Do you have something behind Contreras? Uh, Brian, guys like him don't grow on trees. Javi Baez, they don't grow on trees. Obviously, I think in a perfect world, if you could find a package, if that was the guy where it could be Addison Russell, but the problem is everybody in industry sees what we see. They see that a guy in Baez like, could play short, he could play second, he could play third. He could play just about everywhere in the field. So if you're looking at entertaining DeGrom, he's a game changer. He, he would be, I think, one of the great, greatest quotes ever. You know, somebody asked Theo a couple of years ago when they acquired Chad, you know, like, why? You gave up the ranch. And I think his quote was, if not now, then when? And I don't know what that answer is, Jordan. But if the answer is, we have a window that we think we could be good for three or four more years, do you pull the trigger on it? I don't know. That's the million-dollar question. I think you look yourself in your mirror if you're the Cubs and you say, okay, if they want Contreras, they want Baez, we're going to have to throw in a minor leaguer or two to go along with that. Are we strong enough if we do that? Are we still strong enough that we're going to be a really good team moving forward? Because one of the things the Cubs did in this whole master plan is 
they didn't want a two or three year window. They wanted to be involved and be good for like eight, 10 year window. And they're still in that window right now. So that's the million dollar question. I don't think they'll do it, but it'd be intriguing as hell and fun if they did do it. Basically, Danny Plazak uh, said no. Well, here's, here's what I mean. What order would you have it in? Mm-hmm. Um, guys, you would be least worried to give up in order. I would say Russell, Baez, Contreras. I'm not giving up Contreras at all. He's a catcher. Yeah. Catchers are unbelievably important. You need a guy. This is a guy who made himself one of the best, if not the best defensive catcher in the game. You can't give him up. Russell, I'd give up. And I understand the whole situation. You've got to move Baez to short, and then you lose some of your depth. But if you're going to make the move, you got to do it. You'd much rather trade Russell than Baez. You would never trade Contreras. In fact, I would be hard-pressed to even trade Caratini. Unless you got a veteran guy like Avila last right. year that you can pick up that same day. Yeah. Because you got to have protection. Russell... His market value is hard to judge. I agree well, right with now you. It's right, right now, it's not very high. Well, de- you're right. Defensively, he's still one of the top, what, four or five shortstops. I'm, sure he is. And many people point out uh, that defensive uh, metrics are hard to really calibrate. John Dewan does a great job doing it over at BaseballInfoSolutions.com. Russ will be the guy. But then the problem, like you say, Fred, and you can uh, overcome it, is you can't play bias 40... 40- 50 days in a row, but they don't, and there's no backup shorts. You wouldn't want to put Lestella there. You wouldn't want to put Hap there. Can Bodie play shorts? But, well, you Can know, play what? Everywhere else? he plays a heck of a second yeah. base. He plays a good third base too. So anything's, anything's possible. Let's quick go to, uh, uh, Scott's out in Wheaton. Hey, Scott, Murph and Fred. Hello. Hey, what's up, Murph? Big fan, former caller of the show. From ah, you still got the certificate. It's worth nothing on eBay. Yes, I, and I forgot to cash the five dollar certificate too. <laughs> yeah. um, what do you got, Scott? Thank you. Hey, I got a two two things here. Uh, first, I think the Cubs should trade for Matt Harvey, and this way it'll you have, forget Darvish, Chatwood, forget him. This way you have the five guys in the top four go to the playoffs. Uh, second thing, if you were to trade the Gram, uh, it's got to be in the off season. Yes. The Russell uh, Schwarber. Uh, the pitcher, the AAA guy, and Bodie maybe can get it done. And uh, then you'd have to go immediately out and sign Manny Machado, and your infield is set for the next, you know, whatever, six, seven years. Yes. That's my guy. That's it. No, no, you're you're exactly right. You're right, Scott. If you can get Manny. I love you guys. Thanks. Thanks, thanks, Scott. But see, that's the big, you know, what if. What if you don't get Machado? Right, then you're stuck. Exactly right. And the thing with with moving Harvey, going after Harvey, going after Harvey's not a bad deal. But Cincinnati's not going to do it without making it hurt. No. Okay, they're not going to just trade him just without making it hurt. So they've got him right now, and there's they are trying to build something. I know it's hard to see, but they're trying to build something. Murph and Fred back in a flash. Everyone on hold. We'll get to you. Hey, here's our new Twitter poll vote right now. Rokan Smith. Bears number one pick inside linebacker still in, still holding out, I should say. Rokan Smith, A, the player is greedy. B, the owner is cheap. Or C, blame it on the agent. Vote now. Back in a flash. Mervyn Brady, ESPN 1000. Go. Uno, dos, one, two, three, three, cuatro. You're on hold. We'll get right to you, Murph and Fred on the home stretch. Cubs games, Cubs baseball. 
will be uh, right here on ESPN 1000. It'll be live. Around, no, not around. 2.30. At 2.30. Yeah, 2.30 yeah, pregame. Yeah. Um, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, come uh, right after we're done. A half hour from now at noon all the way till 2.30. They're, they're doing Cub pregame and... We'll talk um, about Mitchell Trubisky interceptions. I got another soundbite uh, from Doug Glanville later for you, Fred, cool. uh, that'll also irritate you. Uh, he that's, does a great that's job. What, that's all I do is get irritated. To, it'll be up Fred's can in a minute or two right here. Uh, let's see. Rapid fire. The Cubs, again, uh, on D, had a rundown they tried to orchestrate last night. Oof. Fred, it's a it's a, an embarrassment to every Little League high school Player out there, the way that this big league club has no clue how to run a rundown. Now, the the coaches in high school, college pros will tell you, yeah. rundown should be um, finished in two throws. Maximum three, yes, yeah. two ideally. Yeah, ideally at two throws, three. There was, there was one that the, the White Sox ran again last oh. week, which was like six or seven. I don't know. It's crazy. Last night, runner was going. Contreras threw it down to second. Uh, runner stopped in his tracks about 45 feet down, seeing he was going to be a dead duck. So uh, Zobrist ran him back towards Rizzo, who then uh, ran him back towards second base. That was a Baez, who then ran him back towards Zobrist, and they finally put the tag on him. The Cubs have a third base coach, uh, Butterfield, and he's supposed to be one of the greatest infield coaches in the game, and he's a third base coach. Uh, two things. Number one, the receiving man should move towards the ball. In other words, so the controller throws it down to two. Zobris gets it. The runner's hung up halfway. Zobris is running him back towards Rizzo at first base. Rizzo should be edging towards second base, towards uh, Zobrist. So when the throw is, you're in motion coming towards the runner, who's then going to stop and try to hightail back. No, go towards him. Rizzo, and they all do this, not just Rizzo, flat-footed. Just stands there flat-footed, waiting for the throw, giving the runner, giving the runner plenty of time to do the old 180 and head back. The other thing they never do, which is basic from Little League, if you're the man with the ball, as Zobrist and then Rizzo and, and then, uh, Baez. Uh, Baez and when you're running with the ball, you don't have it in your glove or you don't have it in your hand, your meat hand, as we used to call it, down by your belt. You hold the ball up over your head, up over your head and you're running and you're fake and throw, fake and throw. Two things there. You f- try to freeze the runner. And you're giving a better look at the ball when you do release it to your teammate who's going to catch the ball. Yeah. Two of the most simple things in the world. I'm not an expert. I'm just a fan that played Little League and some high school. And I okay, but they here. can't teach him this basic no, no, no. stuff. See, I was waiting for you to say it. I was just going to say you didn't blame him. You mentioned <laughs> his name. Coaches can only do so much. You're gonna. They went through this a dozens of times or in spring they? training. Or did they? Oh, there's no doubt. Well, I They went do... through this dozens of times in spring training. Right. And if you know this sitting on your couch, and I know this sitting on our yeah. couch, okay. and Zobrist, who's 36, and Rizzo, who's a really good first baseman, and uh-huh. Baez, who's a good defensive, if they don't know this, something's wrong. Now, they've, it's been drilled into them since they've been playing ball. Maybe not. Maybe not in Latin America, but once they get to the big, once they get to this yeah. country and start playing baseball, that, it gets drilled into them. Theo had that book, The Cubs Way. Remember? Gonna be at low A, high A, rookie ball, double A, triple A. I never blame the coaches. People blame the coaches all the time. And this is on the players. 
Because when the players came back, the first thing they should have done is gone up to Butterfield and said, we know we screwed up. Because they did. They it was do it an every time. It was, it was an awful rundown. And I'm with you, but we are assuming the leap of faith that indeed they were taught how to do this Without and they just rejected it. Without, and real right. quickly too, I understand your thing about running towards the guy. I think the only guy you wouldn't do it is if you're, is Rizzo because it makes sense. But if you're Rizzo and you run towards the guy, you have no idea when the guy's going to throw you the ball. So well, you want to be as close well, to the base he's at. All right. You're right. I didn't mean run to him. Just when, before you get the feeling is going to release it. Yeah. You got to make a step or two towards him. I don't really mean running, but moving, not just flat footed is what I'm but saying. But I'm saying more, more so the guy that's running him back to the base. Oh, yeah. But, you know what I'm saying? And don't stand there flat footed throw me the ball because yeah. then that gives the runner time enough to do the 180. Because a lot of but, times you've seen the guys throw the ball late and then the guy's, it's a mess. he's off the base and then, and it's every team. It's probably every team. Oh, it I, is. I shouldn't is. just say that. It's every team because players just don't play, do, no. they don't do what they're taught. <laughs> Let's go to Henry down in Daytona Beach. He's doing rundowns on the sand right now. Hey, Henry. What's up, Henry? I was doing rundowns and I found your keys, Murph. So yeah. you got you owe me that Chris Conti side helmet, by the way. Yeah, that's right. From SIU, we drive down to Daytona Beach and we lose everything except the beer. You know. <laughs> well, I got your Twitter poll question for next week. You guys ready? Yeah. yeah. Who will come back triumphantly from their injury, but not only physically but mentally? You, Darvish, or Corey Crawford? Remember, mentally. <sighs> Corey Crawford. You know. That was a sad situation yeah. last night. Hey, Henry, thanks for always checking in. Appreciate Henry, it, thanks. buddy. You brought that up. That's a sad the deal. first thing I said to Eric Ostrowski when I get up here, I don't think Corey Crawford's ever going to play another game in the NHL. Now, I could be completely wrong. That's our. That's what we do here. Okay, we we don't sit and wait for it to happen. We make a prediction. Was I don't the way the look in his eye when he was talking about this. It's been months. And he says he's still not ready. I don't know that he's ever going to be ready with the vertigo he had, with the concussion syndrome he had. I don't. I, I I'd be surprised if he's ever back again in at, the, at NHL. the fan convention last night. But Fred, remember we, you and I, everybody in Sports Talk, we have the responsibility to risk being wrong. Well, I'm risking being wrong, and I, I'd hate to see it because Corey Crawford, they need him. But I don't know that he's ever going to play again. Let's go south down to Palos Heights. It's Tony next. Hey, Tony. Hey, guys, I just had something I wanted to run by you about uh, the DeGrom deal. I, I know Baez or Contreras might get it done, but I don't think you can trade those guys. They're two core players. Contreras, like you guys said, being a catcher is too important. I think the only way you can do it is Russell and Hamp or Schwarber. Those are the only three guys in the roster right now that I'd really touch. Maybe Bodie, and I have another name I wanted to kind of run by you. Yeah. What about Ben Zobris? He, uh... I know he's older and he's on the tail end of his contract, but don't you think some of these teams that are kind of going on the downhill might want to bring in a two-time World Series champ and well, World Series MVP to kind of change I don't, the, hey, Tom, the mojo goal? Great call, buddy. Yeah. Thanks. No way. Ben Zobrist is part of the heart and soul of the team. As long as you don't overexpose him, you know, play him 100 games, whatever. He's a switch hitter, plays multiple positions. He's having almost a career year right now, numbers-wise. Uh, he's a key part of the Joe Madden moving up, like Fred was just talking about moving uh, the players around. Appreciate your call. Fred, you're going to be mad again uh, at uh, something Doug Glanville said. I thought he went to Penn. I thought he was a smart guy. All right. Now, remember all the times the last uh, month or two months, three months, we've brought up Javi Baez, and I said, hey, 
he doesn't have to look at the coach. He can look over his shoulder, rounding, rounding second, heading yeah. towards her. Look over, see the ball. He's going to judge better than the third base coach if I should blow through third going home. And you've been consistent. You yep. always say, pick up your coach. You got to pick up your coach when you get to, se- when you approach second base, you're supposed to be looking at the third base coach. Well, it happened this week. And, uh, is this, uh, NBC Sports Chicago EO11, thank you. If you might recall a few days ago, Wilson Contreras, he's running around the bases. He's rounded third. He takes his eyes away from the coach and looks over his shoulder. Bang, bang, safe at the plate as he runs through a obvious clear stop sign. And then Doug Lanville, a few pitches later, he's doing his analysis work, does a great job. He's down there in the little media part of the dugout right next to the uh, Cubs Real dugout down in that hole down there. And they throw it down to Doug Lanville. Doug, what do you know? What do you think? What do you say? He ran through the stop sign. And we have Doug Glanville with us, and a lot to get to, Doug. Uh, how about that play, Contreras scoring from first? Yeah, I mean, it raises a lot of the, the uh, sort of expertise that's involved in this play right here. But Contreras read the ball very well. I mean, he looked back, and he realized that the ball was overthrowing the cutoff man and took off. But that is a tough play for the right fielder because you're, you're in a position where Obviously, you solve the problem by hitting the cutoff man, but then you're worried about the lead runner and the trail runner in the same play. And that cutoff man is going to have to shift different ways to decide if you're going home or you're going to second. And he just airmailed him. But Contreras looking over his shoulder and making that read was the real key for him to scoring. But I noticed more and more you see runners running and looking over their shoulders, which is really counter to history around look at that, pick up the third base coach, because looking over your shoulder actually slows you down. So the combination of slowing down but getting a good read is something a lot of base runners now are, are taking advantage of. Wow. Well, I don't. I think he pretty much agreed with me. He just kind of couched it so he didn't criticize Contreras because he said it's counterproductive. It slows you down. You know, and Doug Glanville was one of those guys where, you know, he'll tell you he had the ability, obviously, he had speed, but, you know, if it, why would you ever want to slow down? And but by looking over your shoulder, you're doing it. Then he tagged on with a semicolon. He said, but you, the combination, the combination of it slowing you down, looking over the shoulder, and getting a better read, which he's implying helps you get. That's what quicker. your coach is there for. Your coach is there to do that oh, so you yes. don't have to slow down. Over history, as Doug threw in there. Yeah. Over history, yes. But is it possible, and we'll cover this when we return, Fred, is it not possible that Contreras and Abayas, they have a better innate feeling for with their read than the third base coach if I can score or not I know my speed I know my angle I'm cutting it and the third base coach maybe he's saying you know what I'm going to hold him up and the, and the runner's saying you know what I, I lost time over my shoulder yes but I got a read now I know I can make it we'll cover that Wasn't he more. out of the plate this week no bias Oh, I, yeah, he yeah. might have been. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's one out of the hundred. Well, thank, said, goodness, thank goodness it wasn't in a playoff <laughs> If game. he ever falls below 99%, then I'll go back on your side. <laughs> Murph and Fred, on the home stretch, vote right now. Our final uh, poll, Rokan Smith's holdout. You got to say Roquan because I keep thinking Rokan is coming in here. Oh, I know, Ro. Yeah, so I do know, I. I know where I can hang out and meet, meet him for a soda pop after work. Roquan, Ro yeah. holdout. Hey. Player is greedy. B, owner's cheap. C, blame it on the agent. 
I'm buying the next one, Row. Back in a flash. Vote now at ESPN 1000. Murph and Fred, busy day. Glad you've been with us for all or hopefully all or parts. Oh, yeah. our three-hour uh, sports gab fest, Fred. Uh, yeah, don't go anywhere. No. Dalla and Black are coming on in, and uh, I work with them tomorrow morning, but they're coming in. Mm-hmm. They'll be here from noon until 2.30, leading you up to Cup Baseball. That's right. We got the pregame at 2.30. Cubs and Cardinals coming up at 3 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. And let's bring in executive producer, producer Eric Ostrowski, 011. Eric, uh, we got two uh, poll questions on the board. We haven't sold off the answer yet number one this was uh about an hour ago we posed this cub fans baseball fans Sox fans everyone's welcome who has improved more defensively this year ian happ he's playing center he's playing left he's playing third base or kyle schwarber out there in left field yurko told uh was it jed hoyer or theo, theo. he told theo. theo he got a gold glover out there theo laughed and uh yurko said don't laugh i'm serious well you know what he's playing a hell of a left field lately he's corralling every ball down the line in the corner pretty much uh getting the uh ball into second holding runners from trying to advance throwing some out uh, looking smoother not a gazelle looking smoother, tracking down uh, uh, line drives, fly balls. One went over his head there earlier in the week, but that'll happen out there. Anyway, uh, or C. Hey, Jason Hayward misplayed a ball last that night. That was a tough one. Yeah, but I mean, you go, you're, you're but he, supposed to go back to the wall. He, he didn't. didn't. He, he drifted. Jumped. Right. He drifted yeah. back. And you know what? He's terrific. He's one of the best. Oh, sure. Maybe in the history of the game. But I it mean, happens. You know, there's a Clemente and the guys like that. But yeah, well, like you said, you know, with Schwarber, yeah. he let one go over his head. It happens. Yeah. Oh, right. Hayward, right. who's one of the best in the yeah. game, he, he misplayed that ball last night. And that, that was a big key. Uh, it was it a, sure was. Scored a triple. Yep. Not an Eric. I mean, it was a tough chance. But you know what it is? You're alert. You're alert into thinking he's going to, uh, you know, catch everything. Right. And uh, it was a tough play, but, you know, he, as they go, he'll tell you he should have had it. Boy, do I hate that thing. That lame excuse for How uh, about if I tell you he should have had it? Well, that's different. <laughs> but the play-by-play guys all yeah. around sports everywhere. I know. Oh, he'll tell you he should have. Instead of saying, you know, he should have had that, he blow it. No, you know, he'll tell you. Well, I'm not going to go ask Hayward. Hey, do you think you should have had that? Yeah. Or both big time was your third choice, improving defensively. I got to think C. They've both improved big time, but I know better. I don't think the fans are going to vote C. I would vote B. All right. I would vote B. Schwarbs. No, I'm sorry. Then I'd vote A. I'd vote A. Hap. um, Happer. uh, But I think C is going to win. Happer's been terrific at third base. And center field, what an improvement. What do the fans say, Eric? All right. At the bottom with only 7% is Ian Happ. In second with 24% is both of them have been become big time players. Mm -hmm. And 69% nice. Kyle Schwarber has improved the most. People just, for some reason, people just don't like Ian Hatt. Well, he also made a key mistake. 
Yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. Well, they, and, well, they vote I with their, they vote with the short memory. Yeah. Short memory uh, poll questions. Hey, here. Joe. Hey, Joe wouldn't vote with a short memory, so <laughs> Cub fans shouldn't either. It was a line drive to third. Yeah. And then on first and second, we're both off the bag. It looked like a sure double play, maybe around the horn for that weird triple play. Jimmy Deshays had just said a oh, triple play in the offing, maybe. Let's. Uh, and then Hap, they showed it. He didn't. He couldn't find the ears, as yep. we said earlier, crediting Hawk. And uh Hawk. Roquan mm-hmm. Smith, the holdout. The player's greedy. The owner is cheap, or C, blame it on the agent. Well, Fred, if I had to guess right here, it's going to be the owner is cheap, but the real answer is probably what? Blame it on the agent. But I'd then blame you can it on the agent. The player can tell the agent what to do, right? Sure, he can, but what? I'm blaming it on the agent. What do we got, EO? All right, in the with the smallest percentage is 8% saying the player's greedy. 17% saying the owner's cheap, and 75% say it's, uh, it's the agent's fault. Yeah, blame right. it on the agent. CAA, they want, you know, make sure they get their money and cover spread your, out. Uh, cover your, oh, CAA. Yeah, listen, once the guy in front of you and behind you is drafted, you're all slotted. So mm-hmm. I know this is all like minutiae about your roster bonus in your third or fourth season. You know, they're not cutting them in this third or fourth season. So. And a great piece uh, this week by our buddy ESPN uh, staff writer, Bradford Doolittle. The most common trade deadline mistake that GMs make, they forget about regression to the mean. In other words, the guy's having a big first half, it might suck down towards the middle. Or if he's having a bad first half, it may suck up. I wonder how Theo observed Cole Hamels on this. Is he going to be sucking up or sucking down to the mean? They just hope he doesn't suck. <laughs> That's what you hope. I like that. Yeah. I want to thank our guests, Jesse Rogers and Mark Gonzalez from the Tribune. Both checked in from St. Louis. And we'll have uh, the Cubs uh, ball game here, Cardinals, at uh, what, about 2.30? 2.30. With Eric Ostrowski, all of his help. He'll be with me tomorrow. And the two guys I work with tomorrow, heck, they were getting put into extra duty. Black and Abdallah, they're next from noon until 2.30 here on ESPN 1000. Mark and Fred saying thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. See you later, everybody.